making children cry when they walk past his house. But James says the complaints are ridiculous and doesn't believe he's done anything wrong. After all, Halloween is supposed to be scary. The second girl killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday has been named. 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessant was a passenger in a car which caught fire after colliding with a deer. 18-year-old Daniela Ruggiero from Hoddesdon was also driving, was also killed when she was driving the car. One of four suspects in the Westgate shopping centre attack in Kenya last month has been identified as a 23-year-old Norwegian citizen who was born in Somalia. Gabriel Gatehouse reports. CCTV footage from inside Westgate shows a man dressed in a black jacket and white trousers. He walks towards another man lying injured on the floor. Then he pulls the trigger. Investigators believe that gunman, previously known as Blackshirt, is Hassan Abdi Duhalo. Mr Duhalo came to Norway from Somalia as a refugee in 1999. Ten years later, he returned. Forensic investigators are still sifting through the rubble of Westgate. The bodies of the attackers have not yet been identified and it isn't known whether they're alive or dead. The Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, is to highlight the problem of loneliness amongst older people later today by saying it is a source of national shame. In a speech, Mr Hunt will call for improved treatment for elderly people after figures suggest that as many as 800,000 people in England are chronically lonely. A group of Watford fans say the introduction of a singing section to boost the atmosphere at Vicarage Road has had a positive impact already. The 1881 group are meeting at the club tonight to talk about their progress and plans for the future. In sport, 24 hours after apologising, England manager Roy Hodgson has expressed his anger over the reaction to his dressing room comments about winger Andros Townsend. He told the Daily Mail that joy is short-lived in his job and the players are as angry about this as I am. The Football Association have given him their full support after his apology. And the weather today, areas of mist and fog should gradually lift, although a little light rain is possible in the early afternoon. Top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius, that's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Come on, Lorna, hurry up. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Friday. We made it through another week. Well, don't say that yet. Who knows what's going to happen in the next three hours? I do, and I'll give you a clue. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced later today. Well, should there be a limit on how many dogs you're allowed? I reckon one each. One maximum, that's it. A while ago, Watford fans introduced a singing terrace to create an atmosphere at their football ground. Has it worked, or is it still the soulless, lifeless, dull place that Luton fans think it's always been? Yeah, I made a football joke. And a lady minister with a baby in her tummy has said it's sexist if men give up their seats for pregnant women. Come on, girls, what are blokes supposed to do? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR, or you can give me a call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, should there be a limit on how many dogs you're allowed to own? 
the owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death, will be sentenced later on today. Beverly Kokanen pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to her two Staffordshire Bull Terriers and two Bull Mastiffs, which set upon Jade Lomas Anderson after she entered Kokanen's family home in Wigan with a meat pie back in March. Mick Martin is a dog trainer from Stevenage, has appeared on the BBC TV programme Dog Borstal. Uh, morning, Mick. Morning, do you, do you think there should be a limit on how many dogs one person can keep? Well, I think um, I meet quite a few people these days who uh, can't even handle one dog, let alone four. So uh, I think I'm with you on that one. What do we do about it then? Because you do see people that have got three, four, five massive dogs, and some of these dogs are huge and are very strong and are very powerful. Should we limit it? Should we say, look, just just one dog per person? Or do they need to be in, in, in packs? Well, they don't need to be in packs. I mean, that, that's the fallacy as well. You know, a lot of people go out, they get one dog, and they think they're going to need to get another dog to keep that dog happy. Um, I, I've always had one dog. You know, even when I was in the police, the only time I had two was when I worked a drugs dog and a German Shepherd. But they were always worked separately. They, they had two kennels. You know, it wasn't like they were, you know, friends or anything. What can happen if you've got more than one dog in the house? Can they all get a bit excited and kind of feed off each other's energy a bit? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, uh, 65% of that dog's still uh, natural wild instinct, you know, and when there's something involved like food, like you saw tragically with this girl, mm. you know, they're going to act as a pack. And they're just going to revert back to their natural instincts, which is, you know, 65% of that, as I say, and a lot of that evolves around the food. Now, listen, uh, Mick, I know, I know, because we've done similar phone-ins to this before, we will get lots of dog owners phoning up saying, uh, well, uh, well, yeah, my dog's different. My do- I'm 100% sure my dog, I could leave him in a room with a baby and nothing would, ha- would happen. Can we ever be 100% sure about dogs and their behaviour? Ian, a couple of weeks ago, um, I did a little phone-in on JVS, and um, a couple of my customers actually heard it, you know, and we were talking about this. Yeah. I mentioned um, a, a thing that I, I've always said. Um, it's another football story. At home, I've got um, an FA Cup. I won't bore you with the team, but an FA Cup signed football. I wouldn't leave that football alone with my dog. So why would I leave a kid alone with it? But yet, so many people do, and, the, and, and we will get these phone calls. Oh, my, I let my, I let my two-year-old climb all over the back of my Labrador, and I, everything's fine. That is crazy and, and irresponsible, isn't it? I think if you know, if you're in the room with the dog, and you, you've you've got a child in the room, and you know you, you're living with the, you know, you've got kids and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but would you leave them alone? Would mm. you really? I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, Mick, and, and, and if you suspect that you've got a dog and, and you suspect... Can all dogs be trained? Can all dogs be trained? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if you start early enough, you know, you get your puppy at eight weeks, you bring it home, um, a couple of, week, couple of weeks later, after the injections, you start doing a little bit of training, start imprinting the dog with all different things that it's going to see for the rest of its life, get it used to other dogs, get it used to people, fantastic. You know, if you get a puppy... Obviously, if you go to um, rehoming centre and you get a dog that's got a few issues, then you've got to be a little bit more careful mm. and you might have to do a little bit more training. Uh, Mick, listen, I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Mick Martin, dog trainer from Stevenage, has appeared on the BBC TV programme Dog Borstal. This man's an expert, OK? He's an expert. He's saying, 
really, one dog per household. That, that's the maximum you should be allowed. I, I put it to you, dear listener, if you have more than one dog in your house, you're being very irresponsible. You're creating a potentially dangerous situation. So, should we put a limit on how many dogs you're allowed? You're allowed one dog. Which one of yours are you going to get rid of? Um, well, that is potentially a sensible question. 08459 455 555. <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or you can send me a text. 81333, start your text 
this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've got more than one dog, well, you're setting yourself up for a potentially dangerous situation. 08459 455 555 is the telephone. As you know, cards on the table, not a dog person. I'm a cat person. I'm a cat person. Now, if you've got more than three or more cats, you're bonkers. If you're a, a, a woman living on your own with three or more cats, man alive, you really need to sort yourself out. But that's, that's a subject for a different day. More than one dog, you are setting yourself up for a potentially dangerous situation. And as we've said on this show before, and you heard it there from Mick Martin, the dog expert, you can never be 100% sure what a dog's going to do. You just don't know. You could have had your dog since the day it was born, could have trained it, done all these things. You don't know what's going to happen. 08459 455 555. It's a quarter past six. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Things looking rather good on the road so far. No accidents or incidents reported through the Three Counties. So if you are heading out and about early today, we're looking good on the motorway network. No trouble on the M1. All looking absolutely fine on the M25, even through the roadworks section. And no delays as yet as you come in toward Milton Keynes. Again, because we've got those roadworks on the A5, the Fenny Stratford Bypass, where they're still doing the junction improvements at the McDonald's Roundabout, where you meet the A4146 and Watling Street. Trains are running well as well, but be aware there are some problems if you're trying to get into London and connect with the tubes. Jubilee Line in particular. Severe delays Stanmore to Waterloo after a signal failure earlier this morning. They have sorted that out, but services resume but with severe delays to all destinations and tickets are still being taken on buses and on First Capital Connect services. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. We know it's a very special day for Adam. We'll be talking about it a little bit later on, so uh, do keep listening. It's 6.16. It's Friday, the uh, 18th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced later on today. The second girl, killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday, has been named as 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessent. In sport, Watford f- uh, football fans... What? A, gr- what? what? a group of Watford fans say the introduction of a singing section to boost the atmosphere at Vicarage Road has had a positive impact already. The 1881 group are meeting at the club tonight to talk about their progress and plans for the future. The weather, areas of mist and fog should gradually lift, although a little light rain is possible in the early afternoon. Coming up, could there be a better atmosphere at Watford's football stadium? If you're a Watford fan or if you've been there recently, what's it like? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The bugle sounded and we made the charge. 100 years ago, stories were started. Suddenly, everybody's sons and brothers and husbands were soldiers. But never finished. They came down like... That was the noise the bullets made as they came down. If you've got a World War I connection, we want to hear it. Machine gun bullets peppered round us, and they came at us almost like hailstones. Email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. The idea was that the women were to take over and free men for other jobs. And help BBC Three Counties Radio bring the First World War to life. In the twinkle of an eye, I was the only one left alive out of four hundred. 
Uh, we've got a text from uh, Ian in Leighton Buzzard. Introduce a dog tax. That will limit the amount of dogs that people will own. Use the tax to pay for wardens and dog bin collections. Helps the economy. What was the dog licence? How much was that? That was about 12 quid. What did that go towards? A dog tax. It's not a bad idea, is it? 08459 455 555. If you own more than one dog, you are selfish and you're potentially causing a dangerous situation. What do you think? Glasses. Who's that? Very confrontational. Justin, Justin, you want to join me? Carry the Now, listen, we've got you on, because you're talking football. As you know, mm. I know nothing about football. 
Well, I advised you to a Luton Town game last season. I thought you thoroughly enjoyed that <laughs> against Millwall. You felt right at home. You felt uh, safe and sound, didn't you? I, I felt safe and sound. Yeah. Um, um, from the crowd it was you and your mate that were slightly concerning me <laughs> you had a good afternoon now you know you did I enjoyed the journey home now uh, Watford so I, what, what's the situation between Luton and Watford um, they don't get on very well right that's that's disappointing hmm. uh, Watford uh, they're trying to create they've been trying to create a better atmosphere uh, the Horn- Hornets supporters uh, have created a singing terrace so this is where they can maximise the impact of the sound. So how, how does this singing terrace work, Justin? Well, what happens is you, you get a number of supporters. So yep. uh, if you go to a, a football ground, you, you may have a lot of the people who like to sing yep. in separate sections of the ground. The idea is that you put them all in one place, so you may have two, three hundred of them all together singing away. That then creates a better atmosphere. The people who don't tend to sing might hear them and then join in as well. You know, all together, you can create a better atmosphere, get behind the boys a bit more, and hopefully... Over a season, create a few extra points as well. Okay, well, has this idea actually worked? It seems odd that you create a specialised singing terrace. Surely it happens spontaneously. The crowd get caught up in the moment and they start going. That's what you'd imagine. It seems a little false to maybe have this. You see, the thing is, in you know, going back to the 1980s, when there was terracing, it was a lot easier. You, you'd go yep. on the terrace and you'd all stand together and you'd sing along. You know, since it's become all seater, it's become slightly different. Right. Roy Moore, he's from the uh, organisation 1881 Singing Section. Um, they put this together for this season at Watford. And I went to Vicarage Road yesterday. Now, being a Luton Town supporter, can I just make the point here? This report is not misleading. It's totally impartial. I was asking fans yesterday, has this section made a difference and what will they do to make an even better atmosphere? Here's what fans had to say. Yes, I think it has, yeah. It's, it's, it's much better to have a bit more atmosphere than we had last year. In fact, I'm looking forward to when they put up the new stand because I think it will increase the atmosphere even more. By having the one side open, I think we lose quite a lot of atmosphere that way as well. So... Yes, I do. I, I agree with it. I think it's good. Are you going to join that section? You're going to be singing your heart out, game in, game out. Not my age. No, thank you very much. <laughs> I've done my bit years ago. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I suppose if you wanted real atmosphere, you, you go up the M1 to Luton Town, wouldn't you? <laughs> I shan't pass any comment about that. Sir, as a fan, uh, this singing section, is it working for you? Is the atmosphere better here? I think it's pulled in a little more noise down there, yeah. And it's, uh, it's definitely added to the atmosphere from uh, last season. Because I've heard rumours as well that um, the club are speaking to Luton Town because the atmosphere down there apparently is wonderful and they're trying to get ideas of how they can create that here as well. I'm not sure that'll go down well with the supporters here now that you said that, but... Um, mm. uh, yeah, it's a small ground over there, isn't it? Um, very closed in, so uh, this is a bigger ground. It's got more space around it, and it's not as uh, closed in as I say. So, uh, see, the atmosphere goes up in the air a little bit. Um, the atmosphere's definitely improved this season. 100%. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Take Cheers. care. Thanks very much. Uh, I would say yes. I mean, they, it, I mean it, hasn't, it hasn't helped since 2008. We've had one side, the ground closed, so with only three sides, it's quite... But then the Watford crowd are pretty quiet anyway, you know, they're by, by the standards of, you know, the, the, the away supporters sing like mad, the home supporters don't. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it has, it's been definitely more noticeable that there, it's, it has actually helped, I think, yeah. Do you sing? Do you shout? Uh, not very much, no. no I, mean, I mean, I I just cheer the goals, basically, and then and then tell them to get on a bit if they're not playing very well, but I don't, not a, not a singer. I was going to say, if you're looking for atmosphere, apparently Kenilworth Road is a good place to go. Um, yeah, as long as you can get away from it without getting your head kicked in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely. That's a, yeah, cheerleaders with be- wearing probably nearly next to nothing, cheering on our uh, team, doing a little couple of dances and stuff. And uh, wow. 
Some would say the atmosphere is better at Kenilworth Road, though. Would you go along with that? Sorry, do, uh, do you want to say another question? I don't think you should uh, say that one around here. Wow, he was genuinely offended, that guy. He was, but, you know, talking to the fans yesterday, they're, they're telling me this singing section has definitely made yep. improvements. Uh, the fans have a meeting tonight at the club to review the situation. They don't need to go to the club tonight. No. We've done it for them. It's working for them. Uh, listen, now, Justin, you know, on a Friday, mm. we, have, uh, we have a musical guest coming at the end of the show to kind of set us up for the weekend. Yes. Do you reckon you can make it back in time for our musical guest at about quarter to nine? I reckon that might be possible, I yeah. th- I think you might enjoy... Enjoy it. You say that every week. I think you personally might enjoy this one. See you later. Bye. Ta-ta. Here's the best song in the world ever. Oh, I could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring. But it rings. And I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. My shaven razor's cold and it stings. Cheer up, sleepy Jean. Oh, what can it mean to a daydream believer and a night on his steed Now you know how happy I can be Oh, and our good time starts and ends Without dollar one to spend But how much, baby, do we Two of Davy Jones's daughter, daughters at the weekend. I'm very excited, very excited. They might fall in love with me. Who knows? It could actually happen. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up to 6.30, it's a very special day for a certain someone. We'll talk more about it later on. But I'm looking forward to hearing the travel now with Mr Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Things are looking a little bit misty in some spots, actually, through the three counties this morning. If you go past High Wycombe and down toward London on the M40, there are some little misty bits, and it looks much the same on the M1. 
particularly past Milton Keynes and then past Flitwick toward Luton. Traffic levels are still quite light, though. Not too many people out and about quite yet on the motorway, so although traffic is building, there's nothing that yet looks much like a queue. A1M is looking pretty clear as you go past Hatfield and down toward London, and even the M25 looking fine through the roadworks section. Trains running to time so far this morning, no delays on the departure boards. The only issue you might encounter is if you're going into London, where there are severe delays on the Jubilee Line tube between Stanmore and Waterloo. It's after a signal failure earlier today. Tickets are being taken on buses and on First Capital Connect services. Severe delays to all destinations for the time being. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam? Yes. I'll speak to you later on, mate. All right? Okay. Ta-ta. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Half past six, I'm Lorna Hankin. The headlines. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced today. Beverly Concunnan pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to her dogs that set upon Jade Lomas Anderson back in March. The second girl killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday has been named as 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessant. She was a passenger in a car which caught fire after colliding with a deer. The 18-year-old driver was also killed. And a man from Stevenage has been told to tone down his Halloween display because it's too scary. James Crichton has had the police turn up twice on his doorstep in Grove Road. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks today. The fog will lift later this morning, but there could be some rain this afternoon. Top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius, that's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England manager Roy Hodgson says both he and the players are angry about the controversial surrounding his comments about Andros Townsend. The manager has been given the full support of the FA after apologising. West Brom manager Steve Clark says he's not surprised the incident found its way into the papers. I think the, the, the days of worrying about those kind of things are, are long gone. Everything, everything comes out now. Everything. From, from any camp. There's a lot of stuff comes out now in the media that 10 years ago would never have came out, but I think that's just the, the way the game and modern society has evolved. We just have to deal with it. MK Dons manager Carl Robinson will take charge of his side for the visit of Rotherham tomorrow. Robinson has been strongly linked to the Sheffield United's manager job, but no official approach has been made, and BBC Three Counties Radio understands that he won't leave Stadium MK. Watford return to action in the Championship tomorrow following the international break. The Hornets manager Gianfranco Zola must decide whether those on international duty are fresh enough for the visit of Derby. Also tomorrow, Stevenage are at Walsall in League One, Wickham travel to Bristol Rovers in League Two and Luton are at Tamworth in the conference. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'm back with more at seven. That was great. That was a quick one. That was a, that was a, a quickie. Yeah. The quickie first thing in the morning is wonderful. Thank you. Could you give us another quickie about half an hour? I'll try. Call 08459 BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, there was a meeting at Milton Keynes Hospital last night. What happened? Well, we sent our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, and he went voluntarily. It didn't completely ruin his evening, so whatever he says, ignore that, uh, to find out what happened. Also talking about phobias, you've heard there, uh, a gentleman has been asked to take down his uh, Halloween decorations. It's been making, they've been making children cry. Well... 
that surely he should be asked to put up more Halloween decorations. He's 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 succeeding, isn't he? I've just had an email from someone um, from uh, where is it uh, from uh, David. Goes on about bits and pieces. Then he says, P.S. Ian, have you always mumbled? Have I always mumbled? Well, there's another David on the line. David, you don't think I'm a mumbler, do you? No, you're not a mumbler, not at all. I- I'm, a, I'm an enunciator. Yeah. yeah. David, what have you called in about? Well, you were on about Watford singing. Yes. If you, if you want to hear some great singing oh, this weekend. Yes, I do. Yes, I do, David. More than anything, I want to hear some great singing this weekend. Where do I go? Central Baptist Church, Park Street, Luton. Luton wow. Male Voice Choir have got a big concert. Right. And are you a member of the Luton Male Voice Choir? I, I certainly am. Could you... Well, this is wonderful. Could you give us a snatch? I don't know. What, should I, what do you want me to sing? With a voice of singing, declare ye this and let it be heard. I can't sing much more. I'm walking me dog. Do you know um, Uptown Girl by Billy Joel? I know it, but I can't sing that. I don't know all the words. G- give it a go and just make up the words you don't know. No. No, I can't do, do you that. Know, uh, do you know, um, Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart? I don't think I do. Do you know um, Jolene by Dolly Parton? I tell what you do, you know, well, yeah. I saw the light on the night when I passed by her window. I saw the flickering shadow of love on her blind. She... Was my woman. Bit of Delilah. A, a, a nice song about murdering your girlfriend. Lovely. Yeah. First thing in the morning. <laughs> Very jolly. So are all, the, are all of the singers in the choir, David, as, um, how can I put this, as good as you? No, not really. Some of them are a lot, lot better. Right, OK. Where, would you say you, you are uh, one of the worst or one of the best? Or no, no in the I'm, middle? Actually wa- I'm actually walking my dog, so... You're very out of breath. I'm, up, I'm going up a hill. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you, yeah. Have you got time to go through the papers with me? We'll have a little go. All right, well, listen, there's a couple of stories I've spotted this morning, David, that I thought yeah. you might like. First one, first one, front page of the Daily Mail. It's sexist, not sexy, it's sexist to give your seat to a pregnant woman, says a mum-to-be minister. What do you think about that? That's ridiculous. Why shouldn't you give, it, give your seat up? On a bus or a train. Well, this is because some MPs failed to offer a seat to the seven-month uh, pregnant minister, Joe Swinson, and she said, oh, it's, it would have been sexist. They had, surely it's one of the, great, the greatest kindnesses a gentleman can do in his life if he sees a pregnant woman and he knows for 100% she's pregnant, not just got water retention. Yeah, uh, you and give he, a seat up. Of course you should give your seat up. Well, how yeah. would you react, David, if you did that and then a woman said, oh, oh you sexist pig? Well, I think I'd... Couldn't sit back down in it again. Yeah, good idea. Hey, listen, there's yeah. a, there's a, you know Gordon Ramsay? Yeah. Yeah, who is he? Cook, a, a chef. He's a cook, you're right, he's a posh cook, right? Yeah. He, ha- you're right, he sounds like you're, you're going to collapse. No, not at all, I'm all right, yeah. You sure? Okay, where are you walking, David? Well, I live, actually live in Marsh Farm, I'm nearly, I'm halfway round my little route I normally do in the morning. Yeah, okay. With, with the dog. Okay. Gordon Ramsay has installed a secret hidden video camera in his f- yeah, in his 15-year-old daughter's bedroom to spy on her. Well, that's not right either. Tell me why. Well, teenage girls, they, they might want to, I don't know, they might want to look on a computer and do all these different sorts of things. No, you shouldn't do that with your kids. Yeah. But, no, but how do you know? But how do you know what your kids are up to? She, she says she's revising, but revising with her boyfriend? Well, 
Perhaps she shouldn't turn a boyfriend up there in the first place at yeah. 15. Yeah. And the final thing, uh, uh, David, you're right. Do you want to clear your throat? Yeah. Do you want to clear your throat out? Keep going. Okay. Uh, there's a school. Staff at a school for problem pupils have been giving out cigarettes to children as young as 11 and allowing them to smoke in the playground. Now, at first listen, that sounds ridiculous, but if you think about it, kids smoking at 11, it could put them off smoking in later life, couldn't it? It does say could, but it's still a silly thing to do, isn't it? Do you think it's silly? Yeah, most definitely. You wouldn't, you wouldn't um, give out cigarettes to, to young children? Wouldn't give them out to anybody. Really? No, stinking old things. Yeah. You're not a smoker then, David? No, not at all. Are you a stinking old thing? No, I've just had a shower. Good, good for you. David, listen, you've been a good sport. Nice to talk to you. Uh, and sprayed some stuff on me, so I smell nice. Yeah, a little bit little bit of uh, uh, B.O. Basher under your armpits. Wallop. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Sure. Uh, yeah. David, lovely to talk to you. Ta-ta. Take care, Ian. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's be honest, David sounded like he was on his last legs there, didn't he? He sounded like he was in trouble. Thank you very much, David. Here's the Everly Brothers. Brothers. Now, phobias. Do you have a strange phobia? A travelling circus is in dispute with a woman from Leighton Buzzard because of her phobia of clowns. I don't like clowns. I'm not phobic of them, but no one likes clowns. No, no one finds clowns funny, do they? Posters for Lawson's Circus have been taken down because they scare her so much. Meanwhile, police have uh, been round a man's house in Stevenage telling him to take down his frightening Halloween display because it's making kids in the area cry. Huh? Really? I'm joined now by clinical hypnotherapist Jazz Bassey. Good morning, Jazz. Good morning. Clown phobias, that's, that's quite a common one, isn't it? It is. It's actually the top ten. So, yes, very common. Where does it come from? I mean, I know they're not funny, but I'm not particularly scared of them. I think it actually originates from childhood, really. Yeah. But then again, um, media plays a massive part. The news plays a massive part. I mean, growing up in the 70s, a lot of mass murderers were dressed as clowns. 
you know, and I think it comes from that. So it could be inherited from the family tree. Yeah. Where how, somebody Jazz, how do we get how do we get phobias? Phobias are inherited, well, not inherited, they could be um, picked up in childhood. It's usually between the age of one and seven where you're told, oh, my God, go to sleep, somebody's coming, or, oh, when you see a fear that a parent has. So you actually pick it up because your brain is still growing. You don't know the difference between right and wrong. So you follow, you know, your instinct and you adapt it from there. So everything comes from childhood. I I am phobic of spiders. I'm better... (laughs) be in the room with them i could i could never ever touch a spider oh my word i could never ever touch a spider how is it possible to get rid of that it is it's it's very very um possible to get rid of it It usually is um the type of therapy that i do is we regress you back to just before the phobia started yeah so taking you back to when the, the, the fear actually developed in you and actually re- making you relive that moment. Oh. So when you actually go back and you're reliving it, you realise as an adult what you perceived it to be as a child is completely different and usually it's, it's minute. Oh. And usually it could be somebody else screaming around you. So you see a spider, somebody screams in the background. What happens? Do you know what? I'm getting shivers and goosebumps even thinking about you talking about spiders is making me uncomfortable. What's the the weirdest phobia you've come across? I think the weirdest would be buttons. Yeah, buttons is a common one, isn't it? It's very common. How can anyone be scared of buttons? That's just mental, though, isn't it? It's. Oh, my shirt has got a button on. Oh, my coat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my trousers. Yeah, they can't have, or somebody who's wearing a shirt or trousers with buttons, yeah, yeah. or buttons, that's it, they have a phobia of buttons. But how do they, how do they cope with their life, though? Buttons are, buttons are all around us. Yeah, so they avoid everything that might have buttons or wow. apartment stores, so they're living wow. in fear, so yes. And when it's as, when it's as all-consuming as that, uh, can you help with that, just by hypnotising them and regressing them a bit? Yes, hypnotising them, regressing them, taking them back, changing their mindset. Yeah. So you're, you're using parts therapy as well as hypnosis to actually change the way they see things as well. I mean, there was an, um, you're talking about clowns, and there was an article recently in the, um, conducted by the University of Sheffield, and they were going to do, um, uh, they were interviewing children because they were going to put clowns on a, in British hospitals oh. on the walls. Oh, no. Yes, oh. and in, according to the news story, all 250 children aged yep. between 4 and 16 expressed a fear or dislike of clowns. Yeah, I bet they did. Jazz, listen, we've got to end it there because we're out of time. Jazz Bassey, clinical hypnotherapist. No one, no one listening to this likes clowns. You may not be phobic of them, but no one likes them. Certainly no one finds them. Oh, look, the, the man with the funny shoes, is, is, the door of his car has fallen off and he's poured some water over his friend. Ah, hilarious. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Let's get your phobias this morning, please. My mum, for ages, she denies this now, but she is potty. But she, uh, for ages, was scared of um, paper clips, but like really big ones. That's weird, isn't it? So, of course, every every birthday we give her a load of paper clips. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR with your phobias, please. Now it's a quarter to seven. It's BBC Three Counties Radio, and it is a very, very special day for a certain Mr. Adam Glynn. We will talk more about this later, Adam. But in the meantime, away you go. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still pretty quiet out there. No accidents reported, no incidents either. Everything moving fine on the motorways. The M40 looking clear past High Wycombe. 
Handycross roundabout just off the motorway, of course. That's moving well as well. And the A4042 and from Marlow is looking good. A little bit of mist, though, lingering on the cameras around High Wycombe. A little bit on some spots of the M1 as well as you make your way from Milton Keynes toward London. A1M, no traffic delays that I can see quite yet today. And indeed through Luton and Harpenden, everything seems to be moving OK as well. Train departure boards showing a good start to the day with no late running services. It's just if you're going into London where you might encounter some trouble because on the tubes it's delays for the Jubilee Line. Severe delays, Stanmore to Waterloo. This was after a signal failure. Tickets being taken on buses and on First Capital Connect services. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 6.46, it's Friday the 18th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Beverly Concannon, the owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death, will be sentenced later on today. The second girl killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday has been named as 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessent. In sport, a group of Watford fans say the introduction of a singing section to boost the atmosphere at Vicarage Road has had a positive impact already. Coming up, the introducing track of the week and also a very important meeting was held in Milton Keynes last night. You might want to hear all about it. Before that, though, let's get the weather. Here's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. We do have some patches of mist and fog around, so something to be aware of for this morning's commute. Fog lights on, please. All of this is going to lift into low cloud. All in all, even if you don't have the patchy mist and fog, then it is a very grey and a murky start to the day, and we'll probably see some outbreaks of just light drizzle through the middle part of the morning as well. Now, um, turning a bit brighter into the afternoon, quite hopeful for a little bit of brightness later on, particularly for parts of Buckinghamshire, I suspect, and temperatures all the way up to 15 or 16 degrees where we do get the best of that brightness 61 in Fahrenheit um, it is very mild for this time of year despite the re- relative lack of, uh, of sunshine today so not quite as nice a day as yesterday a lot more in the way of cloud and we'll probably see some outbreaks of drizzle at times as well overnight tonight there's more outbreaks of light rain and drizzle on the way and that's going to stick around into tomorrow morning but it will be a very mild night temperatures dropping no lower in the towns than 12 or 13 degrees and then tomorrow very dank start to the weekend. It will brighten up I think through the middle part of the day, perhaps even some hazy sunshine at times and again staying mild, 17 degrees, possibly 18 on Sunday so a very mild theme but watch out for some heavy showers, most likely I think later on on Saturday afternoon and just about uh, any time of the day on Sunday, they might even turn thundery then, so wet and windy at times but at least it is mild over the next few days and especially at night, that's the forecast Thank you very much Elizabeth, sorry I had your music very loud at the start Yes. Can you hear that? Well, vaguely, yes. Uh, I, I'm a uh, little bit hard of hearing, but I can hear some kind of rumbling going on. That, was, that may have yeah. been my stomach, Elizabeth, but apologies <laughs> for that. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, 08459 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. Just clicking on this. There we go. BBC Introducing shows off the unsigned and upcoming musicians from Beds, Hearts and Bucks, and you can hear it every Saturday from 8pm. Kelly Betts, is BBC Introducing any good? Is it worth listening to? Yeah, 100% if you like music. Do you work on the show? I do, There yeah. we go, you see. Uh, if you know someone who should be uh, having their music uh, played on the BBC, go to bbc.co.uk forward slash introducing. Uh, well, uh, that's what uh, uh, MZ and uh, Dalian. Oh, I say, what modern names these youngsters have got these days. They're from Luton and that's what they did and this is their track called Holding You.
You by MZ and Dalian. They're from Luton. Really enjoyed that. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much for that. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, listen to new upcoming and unsigned bands. BBC introducing eight o'clock on a Saturday night. Of course, we're just going to have to. Sorry, going to have to just fade you out there for that because we have slightly more important things to get on with. Milton Keynes Hospital bosses have admitted their financial situation is likely to get worse before it gets better. The Trust has a deficit of £8.8 million but says the regulators are working with the hospital to reverse the situation and more investment is promised. The new chairman says the Trust is also at a point where it can begin to look forward after a period of negative headlines. Well, our political reporter Paul Scoynes was at the Foundation Trust's AGM last night. Lots to talk about, Paul. Let's, let's try and rattle through this. The financial First of all, big, big numbers here. Indeed, Ian, yes, big deficit. It's £8.8 million, up from £4.3 million last year. And finance chiefs have put that down to a really busy summer, uh, which meant that they couldn't push on with some of those savings which they'd wanted to. They've got a big income, though. It's £151 million. That's up a million on last year. Um, and we got some insight into the way that they spend uh, that money in some of the medical areas. And a lot is on agency staff and uh, locum doctors. They uh, accounted for £5 million last year that's if you if you equate that that's 50 percent more than you would normally spend on a sort of Mm. on a staff doctor if you like and one ex-consultant said that he knew of some departments which were staffed by 95 percent by locums and he actually claimed that one baby actually almost died after the emergency team made entirely of locums didn't know where anything was kept wow now the hospital didn't comment on that uh, but joe harrison the chief executive told me things were changing the cqc said that we needed to improve our nursing care what we've done is invested nearly one and a half million pounds in increasing the numbers of nurses and also increasing the training available to those nurses so that we know that we are now providing a much higher quality of care and 
The CQC have come in again and recognised that. Now, we should mention the CQC reports. The hospital has come in for criticism, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Joe Harrison said it had been a challenging year, a rough year from the CQC. They said the in- inspectors had done a good job in highlighting where they were failing. Let's go back. In August last year, the Dignity and Nutrition report showed four minor and one moderate concern. Uh, calls not being answered, for example, concerns over the sort of drinks being given to patients. In February of this year, there were two moderate concerns about supporting staff and staffing levels Uh, then in june another dignity and nutrition report better than last year Um, there was only one moderate and one minor concern there Uh, although the cqc at that point did accept the trust was improving now joe harrison was said that he was pleased that the cqc wasn't involved in this first round of re-inspections after the keogh report which was very critical indeed Mm. bucks healthcare uh, trust came under a lot of criticism for that one as well so he said that was a good sign Uh, and actually they were hitting good targets on waiting times for any as well and more money has been spent on recruiting nurses. They've, they've got 100 new nurses spent around £1.5 million on that. So what they were saying is that at least clinical need is the priority. Uh, he talks a lot about the way A&E will change at the hospital, didn't he? That was, that was a big thing. Indeed. Uh, Joe Harrison said that they, they're going to have a new system. It's going to be called, he's calling it the common front door. So it's basically an A&E with the capacity to be able to deal with your GP services, your social care services and other okay. um, services as well. The plans to make it easier to get treated by the right clinician at the right time uh, the staff seem very energized by that there's also talk of it becoming well it's going to become a university hospital with the university of buckingham uh, and they say that they're attracting some of the best doctors around uh, with one of the uh, clinicians saying that new doctors who were really highly qualified were literally queuing up to join uh, milton Keynes hospital joe harrison said the new a e unit will be a major step forward for milton Keynes. development of the um, A&E department here at Milton Keynes include not just re-providing what we've already got but working with primary care, our GPs, working with the walk-in centre clinicians to make sure that when patients turn up here we can provide them with the full range of health and social care facilities and clinicians that they might need. Now, as a lot of listeners know, Bedford, Bedford is linked very closely with Milton Keynes because the Milton Keynes has had to take on the children's A&E uh, cover after the unit closed. What's the situation there? OK, well, it's clear uh, from what they were saying last night that Bedford will have to have more services taken back. They say it's not sustainable as it is. The new chairman has said that the long-term plans for both hospitals may seem uh, even a more sort of greater working together, if you like. But uh, I was told the impact of the children's A&E situation was being felt but being dealt with. We've seen around two or three additional patients coming through to the department every day as your listeners will be aware we expected an increase in the numbers of patients and so we recruited additional senior doctors and nurses and we have been coping very well with those additional patients coming through as a parent of four-year-old twins myself i'm absolutely clear that local children's services are essential for a local hospital to provide I am very keen to ensure that as many children from Bedford get treated locally at Bedford as possible. We heard a little nugget, didn't we, about future treatments to be available to MK patients? Yes, Joe Harrison was very tight-lipped about this. It concerns cancer treatment and cardiology. Now, currently, most chemotherapy treatments happen in other places, such as Northampton. The hope is that within a couple of years, it'll happen in Milton Keynes. But not just cancer, several other conditions, as he told me. What I can say is that Milton Keynes is a fast-growing city. We as a hospital need to develop with the city 
and what we intend to do is make sure that as many of our patients can be treated locally as possible. We have got some very exciting developments that we're looking at for not just cancer patients but for a whole range of services that will stop patients from having to travel long distances for their care. So yes, I have no doubt that we are going to see a very exciting future for our hospital. And you can't elaborate on that? I I want to say that we will absolutely be developing cancer services along with a whole range of other services here, yes. 30 seconds, Paul, the new chairman, Mm, what's he like? Very impressive. Uh, Impressive CV. He's come from Monitor, which was the the sort of foundation trust uh, uh, regulator. He was also the uh, chief executive of Anglian Water. He's a businessman. He's only there for 10 months. He's coming in to do a short, sharp, sharp shock even. And uh, it would get the feeling, I, I still got the impression that they would rather he'd stayed a bit longer because mm. I think he's really quite good. And I think as a management team, they're looking quite good. So, you know, after a period of some fairly sort of negative headlines for Milton Keynes Hospital, it does look like things are on the turn. Paul Scoins, excellent stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we're going to go straight to the travel now. Don't forget, it's a, Paul, it's a very important day mm. for Adam Glynn. I shall, mm. We've got a very special day for Adam. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk to him about it later, though. Adam, do the travel for us. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's M25 delays at the moment. Things are starting to slow up anti-clockwise. Traffic from Enfield to Potter's Bar going into the roadwork section from Junction 25 to 24. If you're joining a little further around or driving further, you're going to find slow traffic from Maple Cross to the M40 as well, Junction 17 to 16. Some slow-moving traffic into London on the A1 through Borehamwood between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. It's been a good start to the day for the trains. If you're heading into London, the tubes, the Jubilee line now down to just minor delays, Stanmore to Waterloo. That was after a signal failure earlier today. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. We'll speak to you later. So, you see a pregnant woman on the train. You're on a seat. She's standing. You stand up. Excuse me, miss, would you like my seat? Well, it turns out, according to uh, Joe Swinson, MP, that's incredibly sexist. What do you think? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Lorna Hankin. The headlines. Sentencing over dog attack, second deer crash victim named and Milton Keynes Hospital admits tough year. BBC Three Counties Radio. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced later today. Beverly Concanon pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to her two Staffordshire Bull Terriers and two Bull Mastiffs, which set upon Jade Lomas Anderson back in March. Stevenage dog trainer Mick Martin says it's better to just keep one dog at home. People go out, they get one dog and they think they're going to need to get another dog to keep that dog happy. Um, I've always had one dog, you know, even when I was in the police, the only time I had two was when I worked a drugs dog and a German Shepherd, but they were always worked separately. They, They had two kennels, you know, it wasn't like they were, you know, friends or anything. A second girl killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday has been named as 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessant. She was a passenger in a car which caught fire after colliding with a deer. The driver was also killed. 
The trust at Milton Keynes Hospital have described the past year as a tough and challenging one. Speaking at a public meeting last night, the bosses admit negative care quality commission inspections and a difficult financial position have made life difficult. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes was there. The hospital's new chairman, Chris Menner, says the trust is in a fragile position heading into the winter, but there are reasons to be positive after a difficult year. Improvements have been made in staffing and care and a new approach to A&E is promised to deliver better services for patients in MK. However, an £8.8 million deficit heading into the coldest part of the year sees the trust placed on the highest risk level by the regulator, though the new management team say this will be an area they wish to improve upon in the next 12 months. And a man from Stevenage has been told to tone down his Halloween display because it's too scary. James Crichton has had the police turn up twice on his doorstep in Grove Road. Lee Agnew has the details. Since his grandmother passed away, James has used his display each year to raise money for Cancer Research UK. But it appears that this year his scene from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't welcomed by all. Officers from Hertfordshire Police have told him that the display of a corpse, skeletons and spiderwebs are making children cry when they walk past his house. But James says the complaints are ridiculous and doesn't believe he's done anything wrong. After all, Halloween is supposed to be scary. Sport Now and MK Dons manager Carl Robinson will take charge of his side for the visit of Rotherham tomorrow. Robinson has been strongly linked to the Sheffield United manager's job, but no official approach has yet been made. And the weather for beds, hearts and bucks. The fog will lift later this morning, but there could be some chance of rain this afternoon. Top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius, that's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk. Seven seconds. Now, listen, (gasps) seven seconds. I think you came to me seven seconds seconds late to be fair excuse me i i hit you bang on 27 seconds well, past 59 no need to hit me well none at all of course morning this is ian lee bbc three counties radio lots going on this morning if you don't normally listen to the end on a friday why would you not do that oh yeah maybe you go to school or you have a job or something try and listen today we've got a cracking musical act coming in scott balcony is coming in, and let's just say that Justin Dealey might be very impressed by what he has to say to him. In the meantime, lots of stuff you can have your say on, including the owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced later today. Should there be a limit on how many dogs you're allowed? Well, one dog expert has said, yeah, one. No more than one. A while ago, Watford fans introduced a singing terrace to create an atmosphere at their soulless, lifeless football stadium. Has it worked? And a lady minister with a baby in her tummy has said it's sexist if men give up their seats for pregnant women. But I don't know what the rules are anymore. What are we supposed to do? If you're a woman, would you find it sexist if a man gave up, your, gave up his seat for you? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me uh, a text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call. It's the best way to do it, isn't it? 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we've been talking about Watford this morning. They A while ago, a few months ago, they introduced a singing stand in their, their football stadium uh, t- t- to create a bit of atmosphere. Well, Maths in Hanslope. Morning, Maff. Morning. Morning, Maff. You all right? Hello? 
Matt. Hello. Yes, it's not the best light of lines, Matt. What are you doing? Are you on a train or something? Hello? I'm in the kitchen. I'm moving into another room. Move, move into the phone reception room, if you would be so bold. Uh, you, I'm in the phone reception are, room. Are you a fan of uh, the Watford football team? Uh, no. Oh. But you've called in about them? Yes. Yep, what, the Golden Boys? What would you like to say about them? Well, silence is golden. They oh. call themselves the Golden Boys. That's why they haven't got any atmosphere. So are you saying that their their ground is famous for for lacking the the life and the excitement that football needs to to push it forward? Yes. They should come down to Kenilworth Road, as Jim suggested. Yes, well, listen, I can't be the the breeding ground for um, inter-club hatred, for goodness sakes. I've been to to Kenilworth Road, and and while it was was thoroughly enjoyable, some of the chants that were going on there were a little bit, how can I say this? Mm, Yeah, racist. Racist? Yeah, was it educational in terms of who were they racist against again? I haven't heard racist chanting down there. There was um, stuff about gypsies towards Millwall. I wasn't at that game. I'm not blaming you for it, Matt. I'm not saying it's your fault. Please don't think this is a criticism. <laughs> but when I went, to, I went to Luton versus Millwall, uh, and Millwall were making jokes uh, jokes uh, about the Taliban and uh, Luton, where uh, and Luton then started making or making um, jokes about gypsies and caravans. Oh, good. Go back into the phone reception room. You're not wheedling out of this one. I, I meant the phone reception room. OK, all right. Uh, and also, uh, Math, I believe you, you've uh, got a thing on dogs as well. Oh, don't get on me on dogs. OK, well, don't get on a dog, but why? What, what, what's your problem? With, what's your beef <laughs> my, with dogs? My partner, my partner has two dogs, Ian. Yeah? Oh. Two? two? Well, we know that's too many now. It's too, too many. Yeah. You're not a fan of them at all? Not really. Okay. And what it's, you, something you have to, it's a liability. You have to walk the thing. They walk. And also, and I hate to be rude, Math, uh, you probably don't know this, but your house stinks of dog. You don't notice it because you live with dog. But anyone walking in uh, will go... Because it will stink of just horrible, stinky dog. That's one of the reasons I don't like dogs, Ian. What are you going to do? The main reason is um, taking the things for a walk as well. Yeah. Well, Math, it's, 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 it's a hard knock life, as I believe they sang in Annie, but um, it, them's the breaks. 08459 Thanks for that. Uh, we're talking about dogs because we're asking, should there be a limit on how many dogs you are allowed to own? The owner of four dogs that mauled um, a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced later on today. Beverly Concanon pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to her two Staffordshire Bull Terriers and two Bull Mastiffs, which set upon Jade Lomas Anderson after she entered Concanon's family home in Wigan with a meat pie back in March. Well, Maria Danes is the director of the Dangerous Dogs Act Watch, who support fair and effective dog laws. Morning, Maria. We spoke to a dog expert earlier on who suggested... Um, and it seems to make sense that you should be limited to one dog per household. What do you think about that? Hi there. Um, no, I don't agree, Ian. I think that we need to get um, back to basics, really, to the core issues, which is responsible ownership for owners of all dogs, maybe one, two, three, um, and focus on those issues that the government are sadly neglecting badly. Um, whilst the government is focusing on BSL, as in Section 1 of the Dangerous Dogs Act, um, that they're spending millions on focusing on certain breeds being dangerous when we should actually be thinking about raising the bar, raising the standard of ownership of all dogs in the country. How do we do that, Maria? Well, we focus on education and prevention because it, it's, it stands to reason that if everybody knows what they're doing, if we have the right dogs in the right homes 
um, in the right environment, we're going to have less dog incidents. But these horrible, big, vicious dogs, these bull terriers and these bull mastiffs, we don't need them, do we? And they are horrible, thuggish things. No, they're not. <laughs> in the right hands, anybody should be able to have the dog that they choose to live with that is right for their lifestyle. It's well, how is a right. bull mastiff or a Staffordshire bull terrier right for anybody's lifestyle? Because they're wonderful dogs in the right hands. But, but, but how are they right for someone's lifestyle, though? I mean, they, they, they are uh, potentially, well, as we know, murderous things. Well, potentially, yes. So is a Jack Russell. So is um, any animal with teeth, including human beings. Um, it's, it's yes, no but with we- human, human beings generally have the, the, the sense not to attack someone because they're holding a meat pie. Well, the thing is, um, if you are looking for a dog, you want a dog to join your family, as millions of people do. There's an estimated 10 million people living with dogs quite happily in the UK. First, before you get a dog, you should research the breed, find out what that uh, breed was bred for, how it's going to fit into your lifestyle, and is your environment, is your lifestyle right for that dog? What is a Staffordshire Bull Terrier bred for? Oh, it's, it's, a fa- it's a great family pet. That's what it's bred for? No, originally it was, it was bred to um, uh, hunt and right. fight and awful things. So why would you have a hunting, fighting dog in a family home? If that's what it's bred for, why would you have that in your house? Well, the, the, the thing is, we have created these issues for dogs, but most people want a dog in their family life as a companion, which Staffordshire Bull Terriers... Um, they are noted as one of the, the five breeds that are fantastic for that purpose. But you also just said like that they're bred, for, they're bred for hunting and fighting. Yes, um, in their ancestry. But if you have a Staffordshire Bull Terrier as a companion pet, and that's what it is for you, and you train it, socialise it, and it becomes part of your family for that purpose, it's going to do that for you. It's going to be a great family pet. We spoke earlier on in, in uh, the show to Mick Martin, uh, who's a dog expert, and he said uh, he wouldn't even trust a dog. He's got a signed football, signed by an FA Cup winning team. He wouldn't even trust a dog with his signed football, let alone with a baby or a young child. It is irresponsible, isn't it, to allow young children, two, three-year-olds, to, to climb all over a, a dog like that and play it's, with it's it. It is irresponsible, and that's what we need to give people is the tools to ensure that dogs are safe around your family members. Hang on. That Surely your family's, is... your family's are safe around the dogs is more important than yes, phrasing it. Yes, of course. And that's what we need to give people. We are failing miserably in this country to give people the information, the knowledge they need to have um, a, a great experience with their pets, their pet dogs. And the, the government, you know, um, introducing microchipping, compulsory microchipping. Yes, it's good, but that's not going to prevent incidents with dogs. You know, we need to get education to everybody, make it available so that everybody knows what they're doing and we will have less incidents. That's what we need to do to prevent accidents with dogs. Give people the tools they need, especially parents. I mean, we have road safety campaigns across the country. Why don't we have a safer uh, campaign to to make dogs safer, you know, so that children know how to approach dogs? Um, Why don't we muzzle all the dogs when they're out? That would be sensible, wouldn't it? wouldn't because then you'll have um situations where dogs do not know how to uh, are not able to be social with each other which could cause problems with behavior but we've we, we've heard so many stories on this show of of people being attacked randomly by dogs in the street and it's all very well and good saying well, we are, well if we if we had training we wouldn't do that but you never know with a dog even, even if it's strange you can never be 100 percent sure no, it isn't going to attack but if it's muzzled 
then it couldn't attack people out in the street or in the park, could it? No, but then you've got a dog that will never know how to socialise with another dog or interact with human beings. Will it, will it, will it do the interaction in the house? Take yes. the muzzle off when, it, when you're at home in the house. If it bites you, that's your problem. But, but out on the street, I don't want me or my kids to be threatened by a, a menacing, snarling dog. No, of course, and nobody wants that. But if everybody, um, the standard of education was raised so that everybody um, was able to have access... But that's to... unenforceable, isn't it? P- people couldn't afford it. No, I think that it should be made affordable. I think that we should have... I mean, uh, We're not going to subsidise dog training when we're making cuts in hospitals and libraries and far more important no, places. But there's a huge saving we could, we could make if, if we um, uh, scrapped breed-specific legislation, which just gives four banned breed types. Um, yeah. You know, that, that there's millions being pumped into that, which could be um, instead pumped into education. You know, we, children need this information in schools at an early age. Um, between naught to nine is when children are most likely to get bitten. We need to address that situation. So who needs the education, sorry, the, the dogs or the children? No, parents need the information. About what? For the, for the, for the, if they're dog owners? Yes, if they're, well, even if they're not dog owners. Well, why, hang, on, don't, don't put the on, hang on, don't put the onus on the parents of the kids who yes, are getting attacked. It's nothing to do with them. <laughs> the kids no. should be allowed to walk in the park freely without being attacked. I'm not going to waste my time educating my children about dangerous dogs. But you should, but you should. No, they're busy learning because... English and, and maths and French and things like that. The, yes, it's the, owner, long... the responsibility, Maria, come on now. No, the responsibility time... is 100% in the owner's hands. No, and uh, alongside maths and English and French should be... You are more likely to meet a dog in the park um, than you're more like you know than you'll, you'll meet um, any other animal. So you sh- your you should your child should know what to do in that situation. But, no, but the, the owner surely and has to be on the owner of the dogs, not not the parents of the kids who are being attacked by the dogs. No, it should. You, everybody should know. Oh wow! If, if you're out walking with your children and a, wow. uh, a, a dog approaches you, or your child wants to approach a dog, which is more likely to happen because children love animals, love to you know go and meet uh, dogs. The parents of the child should know what to do in that situation. Across the board, it would save so many incidents every year. So hang on, you're saying these are not specifically this incident, but incidents where people have been attacked or mauled to death, it's partly the responsibility of the person who was attacked or mauled to death? No, obviously in that situation, it depends, every situation is different, but generally we could all learn an awful lot more about the companion animals that we live with and that we see on the streets every day. Maria, get a cat. Get a cat. You know you. Well, they're much better than dogs. Come on. No, I, I really believe in education and prevention. Okay. Um, and David Cameron, you know, is um, really neglecting this subject badly okay. and his government. Maria, listen, we have to end it there. Thank you for being a good sport. I appreciate your time this morning. Hopefully we'll get to talk again. Maria Danes, director of the Dangerous Dogs Act Watch. Well, what do you think? She's saying that part of the onus is that the parents of kids who don't own dogs need to be taught... How to interact with dogs. I don't think that's, that's right at all, is it? Really? That, you, you extrapolate from that, then uh, you um, kind of... It's partly the, the responsibility of the people who've been attacked by dogs. No. The owners surely has to be on the owners of the dogs. That's what I think. What about you? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Things still building up on the M25, with traffic looking slow on the cameras and the sensors from Enfield to Potter's Bar. That's 25 to 24 as you go into the roadwork section. Then it's pretty clear run, actually, past London Coney and past the M1, round past Watford. But as you continue down to the M40, some delays from Maple Cross to the M40 Junction 17 to 16 on that anti-clockwise M25 there. Clockwise, looking good through the roadworks. No other major issues this morning. We're doing well on the A5. Into Dunstable, possibly a little slow on the northbound side between the two A505 junctions. Southbound, possibly a little busy past Markgate. M1 cameras are looking good. A1M cameras are also showing no delays. The A1 into London, though, already looking a little busy through Borehamwood from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. And the A10 is slow through Chesant on the approach to the M25. Trains and tubes running well, apart from the Jubilee line, which has a few minor delays after a signal failure. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Very special day for you today, isn't it, young man? Is it? Is it, it? Well, you know it is. It's a very is special it? day for us, isn't it? We've been teasing you all week. We'll, we'll talk to you about it later on, OK? All right. You're a good lad. Thank you very much, Adam Glynn. 7.18. It's uh, the 18th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Beverly Concannon, the owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death, will be sentenced today. Milton Keynes hospital bosses have admitted their financial situation is likely to get worse before it gets better. The trust has a deficit of 8.8 million, but at a meeting last night they say they are working with the hospital to reverse the situation. In sport, Watford return to action in the championship tomorrow following the international break. The Hornets manager Gianfranco Zola must decide whether those on international duty are fresh enough for the visit of Derby. Coming up... According to uh, Joe Swinson, who's an MP, she's the Equalities Minister, offering, offering your seat to a pregnant woman is sexist. Really? I don't know what the rules are anymore. What am I supposed to do? I need help. Can you tell me the answer? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So far this season, we've already brought you 59 commentaries. Hartlepool United and Wickham Wanderers live on BBC Three Counties Radio. Involving 67 different teams and 185 of these. And Stephen Eater in the lead. A grey pass it in for his hat-trick. Andrew with a shot and it's in the back of the net. What a fantastic finish. Rossieri, what a finish. 1-1. One, one. Tomorrow will be no different. With another four live games. Watford versus Derby. MK Dons host Rotherham. Stephen Each away to Walsall. And Luton's match at Tamworth. Choose your team to listen to in Three Counties Sports. Tomorrow from 2 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So you're on a train, you're on a bus, you're in a crowded place. If you've been brought up like me, i.e. proper, if you see a pregnant woman standing there, what you do is you go, excuse me, do you need to sit down? Quite often they say, no, I'm fine, thanks very much. But sometimes they go, oh, yeah, thank you. Oh, that's exactly what I needed. If I see an elderly woman on a train and, um, you know, and, and she catches my eye, excuse me, love, do you want to, uh... oh, yeah, thanks very much. Oh, yeah, thanks very much. That's exactly what I needed. Well, apparently if you do that, if you offer your seat to a pregnant woman... You are sexist. That's according to Equalities Minister Joe Swinson, who's seven months pregnant. She was uh, standing for a, a while in the House of uh, Commons. None of the MPs offered her a seat. She said, well, I'm glad they didn't. It would have been sexist if they had done that. 
What do you think about that? Well, uh, we've got our gentleman correspondent, Justin Dealey, uh, on the, the show. Justin, you, you, if you see a pregnant woman, would you offer her a seat? Absolutely. Every single time. Uh, quite oh, I what... love you. You're a bit pregnant. <laughs> you want to sit down? <laughs> what if you get it wrong, though? What if she's not pregnant? Yeah. Then what? Well, she's, if, she's, if she's fat or retaining water. <laughs> it, oh, it happens. I've seen it happen. Yeah, absolutely. But I just think these comments are, are utterly ridiculous. I think, you know, anybody who is normal, if they see a pregnant lady on a bus, on a train, or you're... You're in a theatre and somebody's standing up. You would offer your seat to that pregnant woman. That is the obvious thing, here's, and that is the decent thing to do. Here's a question for you, Justin. Mm. Why? Well, why not? No, 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 no. Yeah, that, no. <laughs> Let's try again. Okay. You, you're not. It's not speaking to. Um, who was it? Was it Terry Duris who was answering yeah. questions? <laughs> yes like or no, no. no? Yes or no? Why? Why should you offer your seat to a pregnant woman? What's this, why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because um, I would class myself as being in a much better position, let's say, because I wouldn't be carrying all that extra weight. I wouldn't be carrying a baby. That, that would be scientifically impossible. But, you know, I just think that if somebody is in distress and there's every chance that they could be, if they're heavily pregnant, then you should do the right in, thing hang on a and offer the, offer the seat. What have you just said? They're in distress because they're, they're well, not, they could be. They're not dying, Justin. They're, I know they're, they're not, not dying. I know they're not dying, but they're not, not diseased. But they're carrying two people, aren't they? So I'm carrying one. They're carrying two. It's the decent thing to do okay. to make that person feel comfortable by offering your seat. I'm in a much more comfortable position than a pregnant lady. Okay. Uh, what have people been saying about this? You've been speaking to the public this morning. Yeah, I've been getting reactions on this, and um, I started by asking this man whether he would give up his seat for a pregnant lady. Here's what he had to say. Dave, on your way to work this morning, here at the train station, have you given up your seat recently for a, a pregnant lady? Always. I mean, what do you think about these comments from Joe Swinson saying that if men do give up their seats, they are sexist? I think it's ridiculous. She should basically... I mean, she's just flying in the face of what we've all been brought up to do and I think it's nonsense she's just looking for some PR I mean have you ever had any abuse for for offering your seat never can you sometimes get it wrong though you you may say to somebody madam would you like my seat and she's not actually pregnant she's just overweight I think once probably years ago what happened next nothing she just smiled nicely thanked me for my apology and sat down got away with it thanks for your time all right so we're looking at the front page of the Daily Mail here. Uh, we can see the picture of, of Joe Swinson. Apparently, if you give up your seat, you're a sexist. How would you respond to that? Well, I don't know what to say, to be honest. I mean, that's the most ridiculous statement one can make. So you have given up your seat and you will continue to give I up your certainly seat? Certainly will, yes. That's because you're a gentleman, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's a kind thing yeah. to do. <laughs> that's all I could say. Uh, I don't agree with that. Um, I think it's a kind thing to do, to give your seat to somebody who's less able to stand. Um, and I think it's more sexist to say that a pregnant woman shouldn't be travelling or working in her condition. So I think it's a bit of a silly thing to say. <laughs> and if you were pregnant and you were on a train, you'd almost expect a man to do the right thing, wouldn't you? I would expect a man or a woman to do the right thing. Um, anybody, it doesn't matter to me if they're a man or woman, they mm. should do the nice thing and let somebody sit down if they need to. But it's comments like these that, that could put people off from giving up that seat. Uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, she should sort of think before she makes comments like that, I think. <laughs> ridiculous. One word, one, it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, always give up my seat for a pregnant lady. Don't know any, anybody that wouldn't, really. I mean, looking at that front page, you're actually shocked about it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. Now, Sam, if you were pregnant and a man gave up his seat for you, would you be offended by that? No. At the end, say you shouldn't ha- allow a pregnant woman to stand up in the condition because it's unsafe. So. so this idea that men that are doing that are sexist, uh, and what's your thoughts? Is that utterly ridiculous? It is a bit ridiculous. It's just 
being a gentleman is being polite and respectful. Well, she says it's being a gentleman, Justin. Yes. Well, you, you, you ladies should do it as well then, shouldn't they? Well, they should do. In actual fact, I've got a lady with me oh. right now. Uh, madam, what's your name? Angela. You're live across Bed Arts and Bucks. How many children have you got, Angela? One. Okay, now when you were pregnant and you were on public transport, on trains and buses, did men or women give up their seat because you were pregnant? Not all the time, no. They didn't? No. And how did that make you I feel? It used to make me feel uncomfortable because you used to sit there and then you used to get on the bus and nobody would sort of like give up their seat for you to sit down. Some do, some don't. Well, there's comments in today's papers that uh, apparently if men give up their seats uh, for a lady who's pregnant, they are sexist. What do you think about that? I think that's wrong. You know, I mean, the end of the day, everyone is it's equals now, isn't it? There's no, none of that... It's, all women do this and women do that. It's all equals now, isn't it? Both parents have to go to work because of the cost of living these days. So as far as I'm concerned, it's equals now. There's none of this. The women stay at home, the men go to work. It's both mum and dad that goes to work if you have children to survive. Okay, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Interesting there, you know, talking to that lady when she was pregnant and people didn't give up their seats. She found it frustrating. Ian, it's the kind thing, it's the right thing to do and we should be carrying this on as a nation. I'm 40. Two years really? ago, yeah, two years ago, I had uh, a, a group of 15-year-old schoolgirls. They were on a bus. They saw me get on. They stood up. Do you want to sit down, sir? <laughs> <laughs> and they actually did. And do you know what? I went, yeah, thanks very much. Good. A little bit of respect. Justin, thank you very much indeed. You can have your say on Facebook.com forward slash. Do you want to sit down, sir? Yeah, I will do. Thanks very much. Cheers. Oh, as I sat down, I made the oh noise. Angie's in Kempston. Good morning, Angie. Oh, good morning. You, How are you? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Have you uh, had children and were you offered seats when you were pregnant? Um, I actually, with um, one of my children, I had to make um, fortnightly visits to a hospital in um, London. Oh. And he had to have transfusions before he was born. Oh, dear. Um, and I was on a train one day, because um, I had to go fortnightly, and uh, it was absolutely full. So I sort of stood, I sort of leaned against a luggage rack. And when it made a stop halfway to London, um, people got off, so I quickly went to get in a seat. And this man that was sitting near the window, he had actually put his laptop on the seat um, next to him. So I sort of looked at him, and he didn't even look at me. And I said, oh, excuse me, would you mind if I sat down? And, you know, he just moved his laptop, and I sat down. And an elderly lady opposite, who was reading a book, she looked at me, and she said, oh, my goodness, I'm sorry, I didn't realise you were pregnant, I would have given you my seat. Wow. And I thought, well, that should make them all feel. Yeah. And you yeah. were obviously pregnant, weren't you? Because sometimes if women are maybe three months pregnant, there could be a little bit of confusion. Fat pregnant, fat pregnant, we don't Definitely, know. You yes. were full on obviously pregnant. I was, yes. Wow. I, I just think that, um, you know, time moves on and attitudes change, but I think, you know, respect for other human beings. I don't think it degrades women in any way. You're carrying the future of this planet, for goodness sakes. Of course we should let you sit down. Of course we should be jumping up and offering you a seat. I mean, my my youngest child is 11 and and everybody says how, you know, how polite he is and respectful and I, I hope that if he ever got on a train that he would give up his seat, you know, without thinking, because I think, you know, it's it's a di- gentleman or a dying breed, I think. Yes. Okay, so you disagree with Joe Swinson, the Equalities Minister. You oh. don't think it's sexist if a oh, man offers a pregnant woman a seat? It's No, not at all. I think, um, 
you know, I don't know what planet he lives on. <laughs> it's a woman. It's a woman. Oh, it's a woman. She was a pregnant oh, woman. Oh, no, that's even worse. Does it? Well, it does seem to make it worse, doesn't it? Actually, listen, we've got to end it there. We're out of time. Thank you. No, the, the, yes, if there's any confusion, Joe Swinson is a lady who is seven months pregnant. She was in the House of Commons. None of the MPs offered her a seat. Kind of a, a furore kicked off on Twitter. And she went, no, 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 no. It would have been sexist if they had have offered me a seat. Wow. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'd love to speak to someone this morning. Has anyone got the guts this morning to call in? If you have not offered a seat to a pregnant woman, or you think, no, hang on, why, why should I? I've been working all day. I've been walking through town all day. I've, I've got this seat. I'll sit here. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Special day for someone very close to us, Mr. Adam Glynn. We'll talk later. Let's have the travel now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 anti-clockwise looking slow into the roadworks. It's getting busier by the moment from Enfield round to Potter's Bar and then past Potter's Bar and toward South Mims and the A1M coming out the other end of the works is starting to slow a little as well. Further round you've got delays as you go from Junction 17 at Maple Cross towards 16 at the M40. If you're driving into London through Borehamwood delays on the A1. This is southbound going towards Stirling Corner and then from there down toward Mill Hill. If you're going into Aylesbury, not too bad this morning, but coming out of Aylesbury on the A41 along the Tring Road, it's just a wee bit busy. Also a little slow on the A10 in Chesant, southbound toward the M25. Starting to slow up in Hartford on the A414, mainly on the westbound side. Things through Luton and Dunstable are looking pretty good. No trouble that I can see round Bedford. Black Cat roundabout starting to slow up just a little on the sensors now as well. That's the A1 southbound approaching there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Half past seven, I'm Lorna Hankin. The headlines. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced today. Beverly Concanon pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to her dogs that set upon Jade Lomas Anderson back in March. The second girl killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday has been named as 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessant. She was a passenger in a car which caught fire after colliding with a deer. The 18-year-old driver was also killed. And a man from Stevenage has been told to tone down his Halloween display because it's too scary. James Crichton has had the police turn up twice on his doorstep in Grove Road. You can hear more on that story with Ian Lee after the news. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks. The fog will lift later this morning, but there could be some rain this afternoon. Top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius, that's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England manager Roy Hodgson says both he and the players are angry about the controversy surrounding his comments made about Andros Townsend. The manager has been given the full support of the FA after apologising. West Brom manager Steve Clark isn't surprised the incident found its way into the newspapers. I think the, the, the days of worrying about those kind of things are, are long gone. Everything, everything comes out now. Everything. From, from any camp. There's a lot of stuff comes out now in the media that 10 years ago would never have came out, but I think that's just the, the way the game and modern society has evolved. We just have to deal with it. 
MK Dons manager Carl Robinson will take charge of his side for the visit of Rotherham tomorrow. Robinson has been strongly linked to the Sheffield United manager's job, but no official approach has yet been made. And BBC Three Counties Radio understands that he won't leave Stadium MK. Watford return to action in the Championship tomorrow following the international break. The Hornets manager Gianfranco Zola must decide whether those on international duty are fresh enough for the visit of Derby. And also tomorrow, Stevenage are at Walsall in League One, Wickham travel to Bristol Rovers in League Two and Luton are at Tamworth in the conference. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, I'm back with more at eight. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you go to the Facebook page, we've got two things up there at the moment. The, uh, is it pregnant? Uh, is it pregnant? Hello? Excuse me. Is it sexist if you offer pregnant women your seats? This is uh, on the back of the Equalities Minister, Joe Swinson. Wasn't offered a seat in the House of Commons. Uh, it kicked off on Twitter, as it does. Ah, everybody judging somebody else on Twitter. Well done, you. Um, and uh, But she went, no, 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 hang on a second. If they had have offered me a seat... That would have been that would have been sexist. So you can have your say on that and loads of comments. I'll read those in a bit. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're also talking about phobias. Um, and uh, well, a gentleman in Stevenage has been asked to take down his um, Halloween display outside of his house. Okay, and there are pictures of this on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash BBC Three CR. It's huge, huge. I can see um, a, uh, a an open torso, not real, obviously. That would be probably illegal. I'm imagining plastic, uh, which in a state of decay. All kinds of stuff. The police have told him to take this stuff down because it's uh, making children cry. Well, since his uh, grandmother passed away, James has been putting on Halloween displays every year's every year to raise money for Cancer Research UK. Well, he's going to be on the show uh, a little bit later on. I'm keen to get your thoughts. Have a look at it. We've got some pictures on the Facebook. Is it too much? Were the police right to ask him to take it down? Or I think it's being killjoys. He's raising money for charity for his nan. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or give us a call 08459 455 555. On the subject of dogs, it's, uh, it's in the news today because, uh, well, it's, it's a very, very big story, of course, and it has been for a while. It always pops up. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced later today. Brian's in High Wycombe. Brian, should there be a limit on how many dogs you're allowed to have? Well, I've personal experience. I think one dog in certain situations can be enough. And I, Yeah, well, I really wouldn't like to say... I, I, it seems to me that there's a bigger problem with more, but uh, my son had a dog, I think it was a Labrador or a Labrador cross, but um, he used to take it everywhere with him. In his van when he went to work, <clears throat> took him in the woods, and um, it was when he had a child that the temperament of the dog came into question. And um, he, after quite a long lot of thought, had it put down because mm. just couldn't take the risk of having it in the house. Uh, even keeping it out of the way, I mean, isn't the answer. Is having it put down the answer? Couldn't he have taken it to, to be rehomed somewhere else? Well, he, he did. He tried everything. Yeah. He took it, first of all, to dog training to make sure that that didn't work. And then he took it to the RSDCA and said, could they rehome it with someone who hadn't got children? Yeah. And they tested its temper- 
temperament. Yes. And one thing they do, and of course the meat pie comes into this story, um, uh, well, the story you heard, and, but his, in his case, uh, they said, if you put food in front of it yep. and can't take it away without the dog, any reaction from the dog, and I've done that in the past, the dog wanted that, he wouldn't let you take it away, and no. that was their test. They said no, it didn't uh, respond to that test satisfactorily. Brian, we spoke, I don't know if you heard, we spoke to Maria Danes from the, the mm. Dangerous Dogs Act Watch who suggested that, that yes, the, the owners of the dogs should, ed- should be educated and should train their dogs, but also a lot of the onus is on parents of children who don't own dogs to teach them. That, that seems a little unfair to me. Yes. Uh, I'm not a, <laughs> well, uh, I had a dog, but that was just because the children brought one in from dog rescue, and oh. they left her, oh no, Dad, I'll look after it, yeah. left for me to look after it, but, um, uh, so I'm not really, I've no real views on this, other than I think the child safety comes in first. Brian, thank you very much indeed, I think we, we would all agree that the child safety has to come in first, and the subject of, uh, is giving up your seat to a pregnant woman sexist, Charles is in Aylesbury, morning Giles. Morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm slightly confused by Joe Swinson, who is a f- pregnant uh, equalities minister, her saying that to, for a man or anyone to offer their seat to a pregnant woman is sexist. I, I'm almost incensed. What sort of a, an example is that to set to children, being an MP, that we shouldn't be giving up seats to uh, you know, OAPs or pregnant ladies or people on crutches? Isn't it just good human nature and just about being a good person to, to do exactly that? I think, uh, I mean, what a thing to say. If she, you know, it's her choice, obviously, but I, I think it's a bad example to set, certainly when you're, you're a public figure. I mean, does, does that mean it's okay for kids to smoke and for us to be a slightly bit, a little bit racist as well? You know, where, where would it stop? It's good human nature. I, I think it's absolutely, it's a crazy thing to say, and it's only going to damage her, her career, I would say. You know, not, it's obviously she's not doing anything wrong, but... It's just basic. It's basic. It's what our parents taught us when we were growing up, you know, to be kind, to yeah. help an old lady across the road, etc., etc. Ridiculous. Giles, thank you very much indeed. I just want to read a few of the... A few of these... Fa- I can't find anybody on Facebook who's in support of uh, Joe, uh, Joe Swinson. So let's just pick a few at random. Uh, a slap on the bum or a wolf whistle is sexist. Offering a seat or holding a door open is manners, says John. Uh, Cecilia says, you can tell she's a minister talking absolute rubbish for the sake of being heard. If she's trying to be a role model for women, she needs to rethink her strategy. Uh, And one more at random. Um, Leanne says, not just considerate, but also a woman's balance is compromised when heavily pregnant. Imagine if the bus or train braked quickly. What the result would be if she fell? Should we not be giving our seats to older or physically disabled people now either? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Do go and have a look at our Facebook page uh, this morning. Some cracking pictures there of um, some Halloween displays outside a house in Stevenage. Well, the the gentleman, James uh, uh, Creighton, who's responsible for this, has been told to tone down his Halloween display because it's too scary. He joins me on the line now. Morning, James. Morning, how's it going? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Your Halloween display is too scary. The police have turned up twice, is that right? (laughs) Yeah, they've uh, they've spoke to me the first time. I actually missed them the second time. One of my mates caught it on camera on the second time. (laughs) So so they, 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 they knock on the door... You open it, uh, and, and what? What happens then? Well, basically, they just said, I'm 
sorry to disturb you, but we've had a complaint from the public about your display. Yeah. And I, I actually thought it was a joke at first. I didn't didn't believe it. Um, I've never had a complaint before because I've been doing it for three years now. And um, basically, we're just saying that we need to move a few props about. We need to put some tarpaulin up just so some of the kids can't see. But I haven't done it because it just ruins it for everyone else. Mm. Everyone else loves it. So what... <laughs> Why should I have to move it just for one person? Maybe? And have you had people saying? Have you had people saying, "Hey, nice one, James. I'm loving. I'm loving the uh, the uh, ripped open corpse this year." Yeah, yeah. Everyone comes by. They always say how how what a brilliant cause I do it for. And tell us why you're good. doing this, James. Um, I'm doing it for cancer research in memory of my uh, my nan who died back in 2009 from the disease. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's just in memory, and it's for a great cause. And how does it raise money? Uh, well, basically, I have uh, collection buckets inside my house uh, so people can come and knock on the door and donate money, or I've got my Just Given page as well, which uh, at the moment has been going pretty crazy. OK, listen, before the end of the, the, this, remind me to let you plug that Just Giving page. We'll do it at the end so people can go and jot it down. And how much money have you raised from these Halloween displays? Last year I raised just over £1,100 and this year um, at the moment, and it's not even Halloween yet, I've, I think I've raised about 1500 wow. wow. Well, that's, so, uh, you, yeah, so you're, you're doing good work in memory of your nan and, that, and, and that's yeah. great. It, if, it is quite gory. I've got three pictures in front of me. Let's, let's go through some of these. Uh, the the, the yep. first one you've got, uh, I can see there's sort of, sort of black netting on the front of the house and there, there are sheets and cobwebs and things like that. There's a skeleton yep. sitting just above the, uh, the vestibule uh, uh, by the front door. Yep. I think I can see a couple of dismembered heads. Yep. I can also see a, 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 um, a steel drum, a toxic waste steel drum, and there's what looks like half a corpse with its stomach ripped open uh, yeah. and its tongue hanging out and there's blood and gore everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, uh, is there not a part of you that thinks maybe some of this is a little bit extreme to have on, on the, in the front garden? It can be, yeah. I mean, like, the, the ripped open corpse, I've act- I have actually moved that over into the corner now, and I okay. have put a little bit of sheet up in front of it, so yep. uh, sort of younger kids can't really see it as much yep. now. Um, I have sort of moved a few bits like that, but um, everything else is normally stuff that's always out is from the past couple of years. Right, OK. Which I haven't really had a complaint about before. And children have been uh, been crying because of this? Um it's only it's only this one one incident that uh, I I don't know who it is. Right. I'm not sure who it was, but they've walked past and uh, their child has cried every single time they walk past. Right. Um, but every other kid has loved it. They've they've come running over. They've had a look. It's been brilliant. But, but if I'm tr- I'm trying to think, I'm, listen, I'm a dad of two young boys, and I'm I'm trying to think how I'd react in this. I don't I don't quite know. If one child has cried though, mm-hmm. that's that's not brilliant, is it? You don't want that to be the, to be your legacy. You you may you're the bloke that made a child cry. Yeah, no, I understand that. I can understand it from their point of view, but um, <laughs> the way I see it is, I'm doing it for a good cause. I haven't had any complaints before. Yeah. Um. So I've 
I was just carrying on doing what I was doing. Can I read you've got two copies? We put this up on the Facebook page if you want to have a look at the display and have your, your say. Facebook.com yeah. forward slash BBC3CR. Uh, we've had two comments. Esther says, I think it's nice that the gentleman is doing this for his loved one, but the horrid torso should be toned down. I'm 43. I didn't like it, so children seeing it would be very scared. And Stacey says, it's a little bit much. A Halloween display doesn't need to be quite so gory in public. What, what, what would you say to Esther and Stacey? Well, yeah, like I say, I can understand. I mean, there is a few new bits this year that I've actually put out, which are quite gory. Which they, it, it's part of the whole, the whole theme I've gone for this yeah, year. Gory. Um, yeah, and yeah, I have I have moved a few bits around so younger kids can't really see them as, as much. Yeah. Okay. But, so um, you're you're unrepentant, James. You, you're going to stick with this, and you're going to keep this up for as long as you can. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely, yeah. James, give us, I, I said we give a plug to your Just Giving page. Now's the time. Go on, what is it? It's uh, www.justgiving.com forward slash Grove Road, and Grove Road is all one word. Grove Road. Okay, James, listen, best of luck. Thank you very much for that indeed. That's James Creighton. Go and have a look. Uh, the, I'm trying to think as a father of two young boys, how would I feel? I think I'd feel a little bit uncomfortable. I think. I think I probably would. Have a look. What do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's a quarter to eight. We haven't got time for it now, but we'll, we'll, we'll do. Some, we've got something very special for uh, a very special boy later on today. Adam Glynn. Adam, we'll do the travel, and we'll speak to you properly later on, mate. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. You're very, very kind. M25, anti-clockwise, looking very slow as you go into the roadworks. Waltham Abbey to Enfield is the busiest bit at the minute, junction 26 to 25, though it is slow as you continue through works past Potter's Bar and toward the A1M. Anti-clockwise further round is also looking stop-start from Chorleywood to the M40, junction 18 through to 16. Some M40 delays, it's not really too bad at all as you make your way toward London, past High Wycombe and down toward the M25 is looking good. It's mainly for traffic coming off the A40 at Uxbridge and coming up toward the M25 that way. If you're driving into London on the A1, heavy traffic along the Barnet Bypass down towards Stirling Corner. Trains are still running without problems and good news for the tubes because the Jubilee line is back to a normal service after signal failure earlier today. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for everything. We'll speak a little bit later on in the show. Right, it's 7.46, it's Friday the 18th of October, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced today. Beverly Concanon pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to her dogs that set upon Jade Lomas Anderson back in March. A decision is due today on how to rectify problems with overrunning roadworks in Hemel Hempstead's old town. Some people could lose their business because of the lack of passing trade. And England manager Roy Hodgson says both he and the players are angry about the controversy surrounding his comments about Andros Townsend. The manager has been given the full support of the FA after apologising. Coming up, we're going to get the latest on those overrunning roadworks in Hemel. But right now, let's get the weather. Here's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
very good morning to you. Watch out for some rather dense fog and mist patches across the three counties for the morning commute. They'll all lift into low cloud wherever you are. It's a rather grey and a murky start. We'll probably see a few outbreaks of drizzle at times through the middle part of the day and then gradually brightening up, I think, uh, particularly across parts of Buckinghamshire as we head into the late part of the afternoon. So there will be some brightness around today, but it's not going to be as nice a day as it was yesterday. Having said that, it's still going to be mild and despite the relative lack of sunshine, we're still looking at 15 or 16 degrees, 61 in Fahrenheit. The breeze will pick up at times uh, too as that weather front comes through. It's a very messy weather front and it will come in dribs and drabs really and some of it's coming overnight, more outbreaks of light rain and drizzle that will probably last into tomorrow morning. But a very mild night to come, you probably won't need the heating on, temperatures down to around 12 or 13 degrees in many of our towns. And then tomorrow, yes, a bit of a damper, dank start to the day, but it will brighten up into the afternoon. We'll see temperatures again on the mild side, 16, 17 degrees in the best of the brightness and um, some possibly quite heavy showers developing a bit later on through the day on Saturday. But I think Saturday, the better weather day of the weekend, because by Sunday, we're looking at heavy, thundery downpours. That's the forecast. Can, what can I just say, Elizabeth, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kelly Betts, who's producing today, I mean, we both okay. went, mm-hmm. yeah, we both went, oh, you, she just used the word dank. We were very impressed yeah. with that. Oh, good. There you go. More, I think it sums it up quite nicely. It does sum it up perfectly. And that's, and that's <laughs> your skill. Oh, thanks very much, Ian. See you later on. Ta-ta. Saturdays on BBC Three Counties Radio are about... Six minutes past six, starting your Saturday morning. Let's get stuck straight into the news. Memories. Let's begin with the UK charts from this day. Why? Food. My Weekend Kitchen brings you delicious, simple recipes for you to make at home. Sport. Live commentary every week from your local team. And local unsigned music. BBC Introducing, bringing new local music to beds, hearts and bucks. For full programme details, go online to bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Saturdays on BBC Three Counties Radio. There's a lot in the show this morning and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I hope you are as well. On the subject of pregnant women, is it sexist to offer pregnant pregnant women's seats. Uh, Zoe and Milton Keynes has texted, I'm a woman. I'd offer my seat to a pregnant woman. Does that make me sexist? Having been pregnant, sometimes it's hard standing up. And on a moving bus, there is potential that they could be shoved and pushed, which is dangerous. It's the decent thing. And Jane in Chestnut says, as a woman, I'd give up my seat to a pregnant woman. I've had three children and know how it feels to stand, especially on a moving vehicle. One centre of gravity moves and that makes it very uncomfortable to stand. Kelly Betts, have you ever thought about, you know when people are pregnant, right? And when they're like really pregnant, like six, seven, eight months, there's a baby inside them. I know, growing and sitting there. It's and that's stuff. weird, isn't it? it and is uh, weird. and uh, when they're ready to, to like the last month or so, that baby, that's a full-grown baby, pretty much in their stomach. That it's in their stomach. I know. Well, womb, but you know, it's it's, it's in their lungs, and that is <laughs> the baby is in the left in their lung. Back. And the, but don't you think that's mental? It is. It's mental. Thanks very much indeed. It is. I think it's, I can. I can't get my head around it. How does it get there? How? How? Do, Kelly, that's a, that's a good question. How does it get there? Isn't it a special cuddle? That's it. A special cuddle. Thank you very much indeed. On the subject of dogs, Anne's in St Albans. Morning, Anne. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Anne. What, what do you say about dogs? Do you, do you agree with me? We should only allow one dog per family. Would I ever agree with you? Oh, oh, it's <laughs> absolutely go- no. Hang on a second, um, Kelly. You, you should, next time, put on the screen. It's Grumpy Anne. Okay, it's Grumpy Anne. She doesn't like no. me. Go on. I think if you've got one person living in a household and you've got probably five or six dogs, that, I don't think that works. No. If you 
you've got a big family and two or three dogs and plenty of people to walk them and so, so on, I don't think that's a problem. I think the government is, is probably aiming this legislation, if they call it that, at, at people who really overdo it. Well, what's overdoing it? If two or three isn't overdoing it, what is? Well, dogs are social creatures. They like to be kept. I couldn't manage more than, more than two personally myself. Yeah. Um, but that's only speaking personally. I mean, if you're taking out five Yorkshire Terriers or six Yorkshire Terriers, yes, you can handle them. But five or, or six Great Danes, you yeah. see what I mean? That you physically can't handle that amount of dogs. And I think that perhaps advising people to say, look, if we're going to send you this sort of puppy, we would advise that you don't get any other dog except maybe one other, mm. that sort of thing, rather than uh, sledgehammer to crack a nut. We spoke to Maria Danes, the director of the Dangerous Dogs Act Watch, and she said that a lot of the responsibility wasn't necessarily on dog owners, but was on parents of, of kids who don't have dogs in the household to educate them. That seems a little bit one-sided, doesn't it? Uh, well, on the, on the surface of it, of course, it does. But when you look a bit deeper into it, and I'm sure you, I mean, you're a family man, yes. um, you, you take your children out and you say, well, this is where you cross the road and this is yeah. how you cross the road. And you don't let, if this, if this person tries to talk to you, you do this. In other words, what you're doing is just teaching them how to deal with the hazards of the outside world. Yes. And to my mind, dogs, especially if you're not a dog-owning household, learning how to recognise what might be an angry dog or a friendly dog, uh, learning not to go near a dog with food, for example, um, even the basic thing, if you have a small terrier, um, learning not to pick that dog up when you're being approached by a big dog. Yeah. Um, it's all those sort of things. And I think, that, I think that probably Maria is right, that people, if everybody that is going to be in the public will sooner or later come across dogs, is to learn how to deal with them. And I'm afraid a lot of children think that a dog is a fluffy toy. And of course yes. they want to go and pet them and cuddle them and things. But this is a living thing with teeth and feelings. So I, 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 I do actually agree with her. Anne? Yes. Are we ever going to agree on anything? Well, I hope not. <laughs> Excellent stuff, Anne. Thank you very much indeed. I like Anne. She comes on, we argue about stuff, but she, always, she, she keeps plugging at it. And one day, listen, you will see that I'm speaking sense about everything. Anne St Albans, thank you very much indeed. Now, a story which has made a number of you very angry recently. A decision is due today on how to rectify problems with overrunning roadworks in Hemel Hempstead's old town. Some people could lose their businesses because of the lack of passing trade. Here's what traders have told our reporter, Justin Daly. We're about 40% down on what we should be taking. We're at the situation where we cannot pay invoices that were due in August. Um, as a result, we cannot buy stock for the Christmas trade. You can see, looking around you, the street is completely deserted. There's nowhere to stop, nowhere to park. It's going to kill us all off, every single one of us. How angry are you right now? I'm absolutely raging. Um, <coughs> we have five years left on our lease, which is personally guaranteed. We could lose our home if we go under. So I'm absolutely raging. We drove out of here yesterday, and on the way out up the high street, um, we came across, must have been six or seven of the workmen. Now, we had um, two people scratching their privates, Two people on the phone, two people sitting down talking, and one person doing his shoelaces. Not one person was working. It's a complete shambles. Absolutely. I can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. There's no works going on. The guys that are working sit around doing nothing all day. One of them was walking his dog up and down yesterday. Well, Sanjay Patel is from Hearts Highways, and he joins me on the line now. Good morning, Sanjay. Good morning. Uh, what's the decision, then? What's going to happen? Um, from the meetings we had with the uh, traders um, on Friday and uh, Monday of uh, this week, um, the option to go forward is to complete um, the parts of the roadworks that we've got open now and finish them off and not use any more road closures to finish the work off and come back after uh, Christmas.
Christmas in January. So when will the roadworks that are there now, when will they be gone and people can use that road? Um, We're looking to finish by uh, mid-November in terms of um, getting most of the works. um, We've got already open complete um, on the high street and then come back in January. Uh, We want to... um, So hang on, the road road will be be open so people can drive down by mid-November? Yes. That's what well, we're that's, aiming for. That's still, that's still overrunning significantly, isn't it? Well, the road's open now. Right, um, so people can drive down the road now? Yeah, they can drive right. down the road now. Um, what we were planning to do is complete all the works by the end of November, including all the aspects right. and not have to come back after Christmas, but that required um, road closures to carry out the work. So at the moment, we're, not, we're carrying on working, but not using um, okay. road closures. So when will, the, when will it be finished properly? Um, in probably February or March time. We haven't uh, finished the finer details yet. Wow. Um, uh, we'll be sending a letter out uh, to residents on Wednesday um, uh, with the finer details. Who's, whose fault is this, Sanjay? Um, I think collectively we have to take uh, responsibility uh, with our contractors uh, on the uh, overrunning works. Uh, it's unfortunate we've had um, unforeseen circumstances on site and um, we should have managed the works uh, better but we're trying to uh, rectify that now um, after listening to all the traders and um, we do apologize for the way it's been handled it's not been um, handled or managed as uh, as well as we'd uh, intended to the traders have been let down haven't they do it quite badly um we, yeah it wasn't intended i mean the way the works were set up uh, we were supposed to be complete by the uh, end of october and uh, we're not, um, uh, we're not close to completing them. Um, with the preferred option that we put forward was for us to uh, pretty much double the resources, and, and um, it, but it would have taken uh, a f- uh, quite a few days of uh, road closures to finish off and complete okay. by November. So, and what will the old town be like when it's finished, Sanjay? Um, hopefully, it'll be a nice historical uh, scene in terms of there'll be lots more pedestrianised areas. Uh, there'll be an event space for markets for other events. Uh, that's what's happening in the town. Uh, there, there'll be uh, parking loading bays, uh, which are uh, spread out across the high street, um, and it can be managed a lot more. How uh, many extra parking spaces are there going to be? Um, in terms of actual spaces, there's uh, only three or four oh. going to be built. But um, in the evenings, uh, some of the loading way bays will be in, um, turned into parking bays. All so. of this hassle for three extra parking spaces? Um, it's not just about the parking spaces. It's it's but regenerating the town centre, encouraging people to go to the town, shop in the town, in a, in a, a better environment, yeah. uh, better street scene. Um, there is parking in the uh, high street car park in the back. and uh, so. Have you spoken to uh, shopkeepers uh, yet about the, your decision? Uh, we haven't yet. We, we're going to uh, let the shopkeepers know the details on Wednesday. OK. Um, there is a package of measures that's been discussed with the Cornwall Council, not just on the, uh, the way we manage the roadworks, but also... Um, other support for the uh, for the traders, um, which uh, the quorum's cabinet are going to make a decision on Tuesday. So we'll, we will send a joint uh, letter out on Wednesday, um, highlighting all the all the um, details of the project going forward. Sanjay, listen, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed, Sanjay Patel from Hearts Highways. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Problems in South Oxy, Sandy Lane. The A4125 is currently closed been shut both ways because of a two-vehicle accident at the Westbury Road Junction. The emergency services are on the scene now, so police are dealing currently and they've put that closure in place. If you're heading onto the M25, anti-clockwise, it's slow into the roadwork section from Waltham Abbey to Enfield, Junction 26 to 25. Looks a little busy as you continue out the end of the roadworks and then slows again further round from Chorley Wood toward the M40, Junction 18 to 16. 
We're doing well on most of the other main routes through the three counties this morning, though. Looking at the speed sensors, as you make your way toward London on the M1, things are running well. The A1M a little busy past Stevenage, and further back up, you've got some delays on the A1 at the Batcat roundabout. And indeed, if you're coming into London on the A1 round Boreham Wood, you can expect delays coming down toward Mill Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. We'll have time for a chat later. I can't find anybody that agrees with Joe Swinson, the uh, equalities minister, who says it's sexist if men offer a seat to pregnant women. Well, does anybody think she's talking sense? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Lorna Hankin, the headlines. Sentencing for woman over deadly dog attack. Second A10 deer crash victim named. And Stevenage man in trouble with police over his Halloween display. BBC Three Counties Radio. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced today. Beverly Concanon pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to her dogs, which set upon Jade Lomas Anderson back in March. Stevenage dog trainer Mick Martin says it's better to just keep one dog at home. People go out, they get one dog and they think they're going to need to get another dog to keep that dog happy. Um, I've always had one dog, you know, even when I was in the police. The only time I had two was when I worked a drugs dog and a German Shepherd, but they were always worked separately. They they had two kennels, you know, it wasn't like they were, you know, friends or anything. A second girl killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday has been named as 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessant, Tara Gungafall reports. Charlotte was a passenger in a car which caught fire on the A10 in East Hertfordshire after it collided with a deer. The 18-year-old driver, Daniela Ruggiero from Hoddesdon, was also killed. The pair were on their way to the Penny Meekins Dance Teacher Training Centre in Royston. In a tribute statement issued through Hertfordshire Police, Charlotte's family said Charlotte was gorgeous inside and out. We will all miss her very much. Milton Keynes hospital bosses have admitted their financial situation is likely to get worse before it gets better. As it stands, their deficit is £8.8 million. But speaking at a meeting last night, the Trust Chief Executive Joe Harrison says things are getting better. The CQC said that we needed to improve our nursing care. What we've done is invested nearly £1.5 million in increasing the numbers of nurses and also increasing the training available to those nurses so that we know that we are now providing a much higher quality of care. And the CQC have come in again and recognised that. And a man from Stevenage has been told to tone down his Halloween display because it's too scary. James Crichton has had the police turn up twice at his home on Grove Road, but he says he won't take down the display, which is raising money for charity. Basically, they just said, I'm sorry to disturb you, but we've had a complaint from the public about your display. I actually thought it was a joke at first. I didn't, didn't believe it. I've never had a complaint before because I've been doing it for three years now. Basically, we're just saying that we need to move a few props about. We need to put some tarpaulin up just so some of the kids can't see. But I haven't done it because it just ruins it for everyone else. 
In sport, Watford return to action in the Championship tomorrow following the international break. The Hornets manager Gianfranco Zola must decide whether those on international duty are fresh enough for the visit of Derby. And the weather, areas of mist and fog should gradually lift, although there may be some rain later in the afternoon. Top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius. That's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. BBC Three Counties News, there'll be more at 8.30. Okay, it's only 10 seconds over. Give me a break. No, hang on a second, no. It's eleven seconds over, and you spent. Well, it's eighteen now because you're changed. Well, no, this is this is. Uh, we're now. This is not my your time. No, it's you're 20. wasting. It's mine. <laughs> you and you sped up the last bit. <laughs> Only because I could hear you breathing in the background. Right now, listen. JVS, as you know, is a very very peculiar. No, not peculiar. Particular. He's a very particular broadcaster. When you do his bulletin at nine o'clock, if you go even one second over that three minutes, he will give you a right royal rollicking. I'm doing this for you, okay. Lorna. Okay. Next bulletin. Two minutes flat. Well, no, that's too short. Okay, what is it then? Two and a half? Oh, for goodness sakes. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's five minutes, four minutes past eight. Coming up before the end of the show, we've got Scott Balcony coming in to do a couple of songs. And Justin Dealey, I think you might want to be here for at least one of them. Other things that you might want to talk about this morning are the owner of uh, four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced later today. What do we do about problem dogs? Lots of disagreements on this. I think limit them to one dog per family... Muzzle them when they're out. Beautiful. A lady minister with a baby in her tummy has said it's sexist if men give up their seats for pregnant women. I'm confused. What are we supposed to do? And go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Look at the pictures of the Halloween display in Stevenage. Is it a bit much? The gentleman in question who's just been on the show has been asked to take it down or at least tone it down because it's scaring local children. Well, are these people killjoys? Go and have a look. Have your comment. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give it, give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of uh, lots of comments on the Facebook uh, page about the uh, Halloween display. And it's not as one-sided as I was expecting it to be. Makes children cry. The police have uh, been around twice. It's pretty gruesome. There are ripped open torsos, blood, heads, that kind of thing. Adam says, it's great he's doing this for a brilliant charity. He's doing it to raise money for cancer because his, his grand died about four years ago, I think. But maybe it could be uh, a bit less living dead and a bit more Ghostbusters. So a good point. Antonella, tone it down. He's then sure to gain more vital pennies for his fantastic cause. He's now got everyone's attention, so making it more child-friendly will gain more visitors. Colin says, am I missing something here? Halloween should be scary. It should not be happy pumpkins and cute costumes designed to water down the traditions of the pagans. Besides, it's no worse than the gore and horror of black pudding, their school dinners and the Jeremy Kyle show. So why are they protesting? 
Haven't the I don't know if this person's being completely serious. Haven't the police got better things to do, such as play snooker and nick motorists two miles per hour over the speed limit in any case, uh, than be called to a place to deal with a plastic corpse? Sue asks, why do we celebrate Halloween? There are lots of people who get very offended that we celebrate Halloween. You're one of them, why? Helen says, uh, cross the road, and Joanne says the same thing. Walk on the opposite side of the road, leave the bloke alone. Have a look, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr, and um, uh, let me know, and we'll try and read out some more of those before the end of the show. Uh, on the subject of dogs, dangerous dogs, why are we talking about this? Well, because it's, uh, it's in the news. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death is going to be sentenced later on today. What can we do to solve the problem? It's not, I don't want to go panic-mongering, scaring people. It's not everywhere, but it, it does happen. People do die. I say limit the dogs to one dog per family, um, muzzle them when they're out, and if there's even one incident of uh, the dog going a bit crazy, the dog's taken off you. you. You're not responsible. You can't own a dog ever again. Chris is in Luton. Morning, Chris. Hi, good morning to you. Chris, what do you think about this? I think mean, I pretty much agree with a lot of comments, muzzle the dog when they're out. I'm not against people having dogs, but I think the onus does uh, really rely upon the owner itself. Uh, you can educate your children as much as possible on this, but uh, you know I think it's just getting worse and worse. Uh, I think the last couple of weeks I've been hearing quite a lot of this on your talk show. I do listen to your talk show every morning on the way to work. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I'm often quite astounded uh, with the general reaction to public today because how many more children's lives are we going to see um, at the hands and the expense of uh, a dog owner? I just don't understand why anybody would want these particularly vicious dogs. Yeah, go and get a cocker spaniel. Yeah, go and get, you know, something cute and, and cuddly. But why, why would you want a Staffordshire Bull Terrier in well, your house? Absolutely. I, I think, I think, as I said at the end of the day, I mean, it's difficult how you put your comments across these days because there's just so much red tape in what you say anymore now. I mean, uh, we've only got to listen to this morning about one of the MPs. So I think at the end of the day, we've we, we just got to be so careful what we say. And one would like to view their uh, public opinions and air it, but you, you just got to be so careful, unfortunately, these days. I, I personally think, you know, yeah, keep a dog if you want it as a pet. But I think, you know, the owner still likes with the owner. We can't blame young innocent children or, or the parents that are out. Maybe if you're out or I'm out with my kids, I, I, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want to see the footpaths being fouled up. I don't want to see my kids falling into it. I don't want to see it all over the parks. Uh, you know, and on top of that, you know, why, why how many more times are we going to have to see innocent children being mauled by dogs? Chris, we've got to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. I'm only ending it next. I want to bring in the voice of reason, Justin Daly. Morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. You've been out, so Chris, they have very strong views about this. It's not one of those subjects, is it, that you kind of go, well, well I'm not sure. You, you, either, you have strong views either way, don't you? You know, whenever we talk about this here, and we always hear from people saying, oh, my dog, he's lovely. Oh, he would never attack anybody. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? He's such a lovely dog. Well, you never know, because you're dealing with an animal. But I want to hear from people this morning. Why would you want to own four dogs? Yep. Why would you want to do that? Can Crazy. anybody come on and explain why you would want to own four dogs? But I have been asking people this morning, should there be a limit on how many dogs you're allowed? Here's what people have had to say. Yes, I do. I don't think you should have more than two dogs. Two dogs for company for each other. Unless you live out in the country and you've got a farm and they're farm dogs or working dogs. I mean, it's a controversial question, but do you think those people that have got more than two dogs are are not responsible dog owners then? 
I suppose the answer to that's possibly yes, but I wouldn't like to stereotype every dog. If you've got working dogs, then probably they're under very good control. But generally speaking, you are responsible, however many dogs you've got. Now, madam, you have a Jack Russell. He's 12 years old. What's his name? Woody. Is he well behaved? Absolutely. Always. (laughs) Always. (laughs) And like most dog owners, you've got one dog. Yes. Do you think there should be a limit on how many dogs people are allowed to own? Or do you think that's... That's very unfair. Two dogs would be best. Two dogs. I feel th- I would feel threatened if I saw five dogs with one owner. I think depending on the grounds you have and stuff. Like my sister's got three German shepherds, but she has the land and everything to take that amount of dogs. But I do think it's unfair on the dogs more than anybody else to be in like a two up, two down and not ever took out or anything, do you know what I mean? Sir, again, like many owners here, you've just got the one dog. Yes. Do you think there should be a limit on, on how many dogs people are allowed to have? I don't think there's a need to be a limit on it, no. I, one dog's more than enough for our family, though. Do you honestly think, though, you could control five dogs? You, on your own, controlling five dogs? Personally, no. I can't. I, I, uh, enough times, it was good training him. And, uh, yeah, some people can. They can provide all their time to it mm. they like. And, yes, it's their life and their love, their families. For me, it's a dog that's a pet. We enjoy him. He enjoys us. The family of four of us really enjoy him. Uh, yeah. There are some dogs that are enjoyable and cuddly and wonderful and fantastic. Yeah. I believe you've got what is, is known as a hairdresser's dog. Yeah, my mum's dog. Your yeah, mum's dog. Fries, yeah. Yes. Okay. What's what's its name again? Uh, his name is Bailey. <laughs> Morning, Bales. And of course, there was that famous uh, incident where you took uh, a selfie of yeah. you and the dog. <laughs> great, great snapshot. Great, yeah, it's, good, yeah, it's a great feedback as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out it took like twenty takes yeah. to get the right. <laughs> but but he is a lovely dog. But at the end of yes. the day, he is a dog. You know, as nice as he may be, you would never leave him in a room with a child. You even with a baby, would you? No, of course, yeah, of course you wouldn't. But but how can you control that many dogs? And somebody made the point there. It's it's unfair on those dogs. If you have got four or five dogs, how can you give them the attention they need? Because you're buying a dog for for companionship. You can't just chuck a dog in a room. You know, four or five of them, Listen, and just let them get on with it. You can't do that. If you live on a farm, or you've got a big house in the country with with, with a big garden, or you know, acres of land, or there's a big woods behind you, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah you go exactly. and take those dogs out every day. You walk through the woods two, three hours a day. Wonderful. If you're living in a council flat, or if you're living in a small house, or even a, 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 you know, a decent-sized house in town, you can't fit three, four, five dogs in there. Well, no, of course, you know, fact. And I just don't get why somebody would want to, to own four dogs in the first place. Personally, I don't get it. I think having one dog, I think, is absolutely lovely. If you've got two, again, it's company for the dog. But once you go above two, like those owners were saying there, it's, it's not fair on the dog. But, but equally, when you take them out, how can you control them? Some people can't control one dog, let alone two three or even four. Dealey, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Andy's in Mark 8. Morning, Andy. Good morning. Andy, what do we do? Yeah. Well, go back to licensing. I think they stopped doing dog licensing because it was 35 pence and um, it, it, it was too expensive to administer. But why not, why not have a scheme where, where we license the dogs? The authorities would know how many dogs there's got. And if they were sort of um, uh, breeds which were contentious, they, they, they might want to ask questions. But but would, would licensing? I'm not quite sure how licensing would stop a dog attacking someone. It, it, it would be useful after the dog's attacked, but before that, it, it, it doesn't prove that you're a, a decent owner who's going to train and look after your dog well, does it? No, no, it wouldn't do that. But I mean, you might want to ask questions if someone's got four, uh, four uh, Staffordshire Bull Terriers yeah. and a, a German Shepherd. You know, you do wonder at the reasoning behind it. But it, it, uh, in, in addition, I mean, like my ex-wife. I think she had three or four dogs, but 
she trains dogs. You know, she's only got a, she's only got a, got a click of fingers. And I said, now it's, it's partly down to how people uh, uh, control the dogs, how they deal deal with the back instinct. Andy, thank you very much indeed. I know you youngsters won't realise this. We used to have to go and buy a licence. I think every year from the post office to own a dog. Would that help? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Loads of your comments as well on Facebook about uh, the the uh, equalities minister, Joe Swinson, who is a pregnant woman, saying it's sexist if you offer your seat to a pregnant woman. Is it? Is it really? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Delays in South Oxy. Sandy Lane has been closed both ways. This is the A4125 and it's after an accident with two vehicles involved at Westbury Road. All the emergency services on the scene there right now. Things looking busy still on the cameras and the speed sensors as you make your way around the M25. Going into the roadworks section, steadily getting busier. Anti-clockwise Waltham Abbey to Enfield is where it looks worst, but it's slow onwards toward Potter's Bar. Then once you're through that stretch, it actually runs pretty well until you get down toward the M40 at Junction 16, where things slow down again. M40 actually running pretty well toward London. Some delays on the approach to the M40 in a few spots, though. High Wycombe a little busy. Beaconsfield slow on the A355. And it's looking a little bit slow on the A41 as you come down from Emil Hempstead toward the M25 near Kings Langley. Got some A1M delays past Stevenage southbound. A little bit slow southbound coming down to the Black Cat roundabout on the A1 and on the Bromham Road going into Bedford. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, we will speak to you later on on oh, this day of days, all right? Oh, so, yes, we will right. do. And I'm, I'm not going to let you go without having a word with you, all right, mate? Okay. See you later on. Ta ta. 8.16, it's a very special day for Adam Glynn, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on. 8.16, it's Friday the 18th of October, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Beverly Concannon, the owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death, will be sentenced today. The second girl killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday has been named as 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessent. In sport, a group of Watford fans say the introduction of a singing section to boost the atmosphere at Vicarage Road has had a positive impact already. Coming up, it turns out that offering your seat to a pregnant woman is sexist. That's according to Equalities Minister Joe Swinson, who's seven months pregnant. Well, really? We struggled this morning to find anybody who agrees with her. But come on, I've seen grumpy people on the bus and on the tube and on trains who refuse... Look up from their newspaper, see a pregnant woman, look back down with disgust. Are you brave enough to admit you're one of those? BBC Three Counties Radio. Helen Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Are you lonely? One of the things that keeps me going is hope. Half of people living in England experience loneliness, and for many different reasons. Because I do hope that I will get the children, and I hope I will be happy again. This Sunday is the start of the BBC's Living Alone Well campaign, and I'll be exploring how different people feel about being on their own, and whether it can, in fact, be a positive experience. I love living on my own. I love being able to do 
what I want to do, when I want to do it. Join in and have your say. Sunday morning from six, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, JVS joins me. We've got Ooh. new microphones here. Yes. I do, we, I'm not quite sure where we... Sp- my, uh, my microphone is marked with an orange sticker. That's where I'm supposed to speak. Have you got an orange sticker on yours? I have. I'm talking into it now. It's, and it sounds... Let me just check with the technical team. Technical team, how is uh, JVS sounding? Just, just say a few words. Just tell us what you have for breakfast or something. Uh, I had a beautiful banana... That sounds wonderful. <laughs> there we go. Fantastic. That's Kelly. It's That's, all right, is it? It's all right. Oh, good. A little bit out of breath. Last minute so dash sorry. down. You're yes, right. I've been busy. I've I can't believe it. What? We're discussing into energy the, prices. Into the orange bit, please. We're we're discussing energy prices this morning. Yeah. On the big phone in. We've been on the phone to British Gas. Yeah. Can you believe a big company like British Gas? Yeah. They haven't got one person oh. who can spare two minutes to talk to everybody in beds, hearts and bucks about their pricing. Sh- that is shameful. Genuinely shameful. Isn't it disgusting? Yeah. Apparently they did a lot of interviews yesterday. Oh, right. So yes. there's, there's nobody in the whole of British Gas that can spare two minutes on the phone to talk to you at nine o'clock about the fact they're putting their prices up. By about 10%. Yes. That is, I do think that is shocking and shameful and disgusting. Uh, but what do we expect? What, wasn't the head of uh, British Gas on, on Twitter last night answering questions? And people were asking stuff like, yeah, at what point do we st- Which bits of furniture should we burn first to heat our houses and things like that? Indeed. Indeed. Oh, it's I, shameful they won't come on. I wonder whether he'll be able to heat his, uh, his property this winter. He earns about, I think it's about 700 grand a year at least, probably a bit more than that actually. So yes, he will be able to afford that. Quite, He's had quite a, quite a tasty bonus as yes, well. Yes, yes. Well, Coming up at nine this morning, as you can tell, I'm uh, I'm on my soapbox about this one today. Yeah. I'm asking, are you worried about the cost of heating your home? British Gas have told the BBC they'll raise their prices by 9.2% this year, not 10%, Ian. It's 10.6% temp- it's if you've got uh, dual bills. Listen, 9.2, yes. 10%. I let's, mean, let's not argue over uh, 0.7. Exactly. It's a lot of money. That's the, that's the reality. This yeah. increase will affect nearly 8 million households in the UK. The company have said they understand the frustration of prices rising faster than incomes, but the fact remains annual household bills will go up by £123 a year. Crazy. Prime Minister David Cameron has urged consumers to switch supplier. He said, leave British gas, go elsewhere. The trouble is... You switch to someone else, surely they're just going to put their prices up, aren't they? They're all going to do it over the next few weeks. There is no escape. Well, from nine this morning, we're going to get some advice for you. If you are worried about the cost of uh, heating your home, uh, we'll have advice for you as to what you can do. And I really want to hear your views. Are you worried about the cost of heating your home this winter? Are you already thinking, I don't want to put the heating on because I'm not sure I can pay for it? Mm. 08459 455 555. We'll discuss all of that at nine. What's shocking is that people will die this year because they can't afford to put their heating on. That will actually happen in, the, in this country. Yes. It's incredible. Yes. Shameful. Well, keep try- I keep trying to get the British Gas uh, people on. Yes, British Gas, know. if you're listening, disgraceful. Yeah. Two minutes, that's all I want. Two minutes for you to explain why you feel this is justified to everybody listening at Beds, Hearts Bucks, many of whom will be your customers. And you haven't got one person in the whole company to spare two minutes on a phone line? Save it a little bit. I know for a fact that British Gas won't be listening. I had a falling out with them a while ago in another life, so they're not big fans of mine. No? I'll, tell, I'll send you an email. All oh, right. <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. You're on a train, you're on a bus, you're in a crowded place, you're sat down and you see a pregnant woman standing. Do you offer her your seat? Well, if you do and you're a man, you're sexist. 
That's according to Equalities Minister Jo Swinson. She's on the front page of the newspaper. She's seven months pregnant. It's sexist to give your seat to a pregnant woman, says mum-to-be minister. We've not found anybody who agrees with her. And I think that's slightly disingenuous of you, dear listener, because I know for a fact that there will be people listening, because I've seen you, I've seen you. There will be people listening who don't give up their seats to pregnant women. I've seen you do it. I've seen you not do it. Well, we're joined now by uh, Lisa Pearson. She writes the Mummy Whisperer blog. Uh, morning, Lisa. What, what do you think about what Joe Swinson said? Morning, Ian. Well, <clears throat> I must admit, I've got a bit of a cold and a bit grumpy, but I do think she's ridiculous. Get your, get your grump out on the air now. Come on, Lisa. <laughs> Unload. It, well, I think maybe partially because she's not yet a mum. She hasn't worked out that you can't have laws for everything. You've got to have common decency. Yep. You've got to have politeness. You've got to have compassion in this world. But it's not sexist. It's not sexist if it's an elderly lady and you offer her a seat. It's not sexist if you offer an elderly gentleman a seat. It's not sexist if you offer a seven-month pregnant woman. It's just ridiculous. It's very out for equality. And, you know, women should do their own stuff and sometimes we have to kind of get on and not be wimps and all the rest of it. But seven months pregnant? Oh. And also, listen, I've offered my seat to pregnant women and sometimes they go, no, I'm all right, thanks. They prefer to stand because it's more comfortable or they, they fancy it or, or, or whatever the reason may be. But you still, you still offer it because it's, it's the done thing to do, isn't it? It's, it's just common courtesy. It is, and it's really important. And I think maybe sometimes we forget how important just general compassion and thought for other people really is. It's very important as well. You cannot have laws. MPs, I know they make laws, and maybe that's what you know their business is. But you can't have a law to cover everything. You have to have some common sense, and you have to have just some some basic treating people nicely and compassion for things. I mean, seven months. She she was crazy. I saw that picture. She had a bag over a big heavy bag over her shoulder. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Standing up there, being all independent woman and all the rest of it, she could actually have damaged her back and her hips really badly. She's only got two months to go. I've had SPD, which is that pain in the hips, you know, just as you're pregnant. Yeah. It's excruciatingly Do you awful. think some women, Lisa, try too hard to prove that, hey, I'm a strong, independent, eight-month pregnant woman. I don't need to sit down. I can still do all of this stuff. Yes, and it's, and it's, it's really bad for you. I mean, you know, I don't know if... I think we've chatted before, but I got really ill yeah. because I tried to do too much. And I also, years ago... I'm old now, but years ago, I worked in IT and I was... You know, one of the few women, and I was in proper sandal-wearing, you know, country where people were real kind of geeks and all the rest of it. Mm. And I tried really hard, and actually it brought out the worst in me. Because equality is fab, but you have to remember that you're actually female, and therefore wonderfully equal, but wonderfully different. Ever been on the bus or, or, or the train while you were pregnant, Lisa, and, and no one offered you a seat? I actually found being pregnant quite depressing, and I found being a mum quite depressing. I, 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 I was shocked at how little social power I had from the moment I fell pregnant. I, was, I, I found it really, really quite disturbing, and I still do find being a mum in this world quite disturbing. Uh, Lisa, always nice to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Give, give your, your uh, blog a quick blog. How can, people, uh, how can people find it? It's easy. It's mummywhisperablog.com. Lisa, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 If you were pregnant or you are pregnant and um, no one's offered you a seat, how does that make you feel? Well, they're just trying not to be sexist. That's what would happen. On the subject of Halloween, we spoke to a gentleman who lives in Stevenage. He's got uh, a Halloween display outside his house. It's pretty gruesome. One child has uh, cried. The police have been round twice to ask him to tone it down. Is that 
good idea or is that um are we going a little bit crazy there hazel's in well in morning hazel good morning ian hazel what do you think about this well i was just saying to um kelly um when i was a child i was taken to see madame de swords chamber of horrors yeah i don't remember rushing out crying or people children being banned because uh, it was too horrific or anything I think if you don't like it, you take your child across the road or something. But should that be... Madame Tussauds, you pay a not inconsiderable amount of money to go and look at their... Well, let's be honest. I don't, is it still there? I don't know. Madame Tussauds is still there, and only French tourists go. If you ever drive past it, there are queues outside of it uh, with French tourists and students. But <laughs> you pay a lot of money to go in there. With this guy, it's out on the street. So you, if you have to walk down that street, you're going to see it whether you want to see it or not. And I suppose these are the kind... We are talking about phobias earlier on in the show. These are the kind of things that can settle in young children's minds. Um, really? Well, seeing a corpse... Well, I don't remember things settling in my mind when I was walking around Madame Tussauds, and I must have been quite young. Hazel, maybe maybe you're made of sterner stuff... (laughs) Oh, I am. Than the kids these days. I went through the war. That means I'm made of sterner stuff. When you went to Madame Tussauds, I bet it's all Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga at the moment. When you went to (laughs) Madame Tussauds, who was was the the big waxwork of the day? Who were you eager to see? Oh, do you know, I can't remember. I can remember a bit going through the Chamber of Horrors, so perhaps it is imprinted on me. There you go, you see. They may have turned you into some kind of weird woman, Hazel. Hazel, thank you very much indeed. Look, Madame Tussauds, should we go off on a very slight tangent? Yes, indulge me. It's rubbish. It is, it's rubbish, isn't it? First of all, the concept of going... It, it's not the 1800s anymore. We've got television and video, yeah? Imagine paying... Uh, what is it, 20 quid, 25 quid? To go and see some giant candles that are sort of almost in the shape of people. You can only have it clarified who they are by reading the little badge next to them. Oh, it's Paul McCartney. Oh, ah, it's David Beckham, right? Yeah, I should have got that. So paying to go and see waxworks of people is an odd concept anyway in the 21st century. But also, they're not very good. The eyes are always a bit shifty, aren't they? The eyes and the face, they're never... If you squint, then yes, maybe that will be Elton John. But you, you have to squint or look at the ridiculous costume. Anyway, enough of that. 08459 455555. Shortly after the news, we'll be speaking to the Neighbourhood Inspector. Uh, on the subject of those uh, Halloween displays. But before that, let's get the travel on what is... Well, it's a significant day for uh, for Adam Glynn, and we'll, we'll discuss this more. Adam, we haven't got time now, so away you go. We'll speak before the end of the show. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. I look forward to it. It's quite slow on the A1 this morning as you make your way from Eaton Soken down toward the Black Cat Roundabout. Then it's a pretty clear run all the way down to the A1M until you go past Stevenage where it slows up again. And then as you make your way into London, delays on the A1 through Borehamwood, mainly around Stirling Corner. The A5 a little bit slow from Dunstable northbound up toward Leighton Buzzard. And then in toward Bletchley, Milton Keynes is looking reasonably good. The M1 on the cameras has been clear for most of the morning. We're not doing too badly on the M25 either. There are patches that are slow. Anti-clockwise into the roadworks while from Abbey to Enfield is busy. It's also heavy as you go past the M40 at Junction 16. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Have you finished, Adam? I have. I was I was listening. Were you? Talking to two men called Matt. We've got time now. Should we, have, should we have a chat? We'll do it before the end of the okay, show. We're okay. late now. All right, I'll see you in a minute. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Headlines. The owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death will be sentenced today. Beverly Concanon pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to her dogs that set upon Jade Lomas Anderson back in March. The second girl killed in a collision on the A10 in Hertfordshire on Tuesday has been named as 17-year-old Charlotte Dove from Chessant. She was a passenger in a car which caught fire after colliding with a deer. The 18-year-old driver was also killed. And a man from Stevenage has been told to tone down his Halloween display because it's too scary. James Crichton has had the police turn up twice on his doorstep in Grove Road. You can hear more on that story after the news. And the weather for beds, hearts and bucks, the fog will lift later, but there could be some rain this afternoon with a top temperature of 15 degrees Celsius. That's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England manager Roy Hodgson says both he and the players are angry about the controversy surrounding his comments about Andros Townsend. The manager has been given the full support of the FA after apologising. But West Brom manager Steve Clark says he's not surprised the incident found its way into the newspapers. I think the, the, the days of worrying about those kind of things are, are long gone. Everything, everything comes out now. Everything. From, from any camp. There's a lot of stuff comes out now in the media that 10 years ago would never have come out, but I think that's just the, the way the game and modern society has evolved. MK we Don's... just have to deal with it. Oh, sorry. MK Don's manager, Carl Robinson, will take charge of his side for the visit of Rotherham tomorrow. Robinson has been strongly linked to the Sheffield United manager's job, but no official approach has yet been made, and BBC Three Counties Radio understands that he won't leave Stadium MK. Watford return to action in the Championship tomorrow following the international break. The Hornets manager, Gianfranco Zola, must decide whether those on international duty are fresh enough for the visit of Derby. Also tomorrow, Stevenage are at Walsall in League One, Wickham travel to Bristol Rovers in League Two and Luton are at Tamworth in the conference. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, there'll be more at nine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, right, the last 30 minutes. I can smell the fry up already. Uh, the last 30 minutes of the show, but on a Friday, we always like to kind of end with a little bit of music. Something a bit uplifting. Quite often something rubbish. It's not rubbish today. It's not rubbish today. It's excellent. It's a guy called Scott Balcony who is a brilliant singer-songwriter and uh, Justin Dealey and Justin Dealey fans may want to listen. By the way, if you are a musical act, and we, we like things that are a little bit different. We've had bagpipe players, we've had harpists, we've had uh, vocal harmony groups. Something a little bit different. Not just, you know, two blokes and a guitar singing about a girl called Alison who broke their heart. Something a little bit different. If that's you, or if that's your son or your grandson or your granddaughter or your husband or whatever, could you send me an email? Ian.Lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk uh, and you can come in the studio on Friday morning and do it. It's as simple as that. We're really after a flautist. We fancy a little bit of the old flute. We've been trying to get a flautist and for some reason we, we haven't been able to. So if you if you think you fit the bill, flautist or indeed otherwise, 08459 555555. Uh, talking about dogs today because um, the owner of four dogs that mauled 14-year-old Beverly Concanon... Uh, sorry, 14-year-old girl to death will be sent later today. Beverly, of course, is the uh, name of the lady that was owned, that owned the dogs. Should there be a limit on how many dogs are allowed? And what can we do to make dogs a bit safer? Tony's in Leegrave. Morning, Tony. Hello, Ian. Tony, All right. Yeah, Tony, what do we do? 
Um, well, I don't know what the answer to oh. that is. I mean, you say it should be down to the owners, be uh, responsible for their dogs. Um, One you know. dog per family, Tony. Well, no, it's not trying, is it, Ian? Sorry? It's not trying, where you can only have one kid. You know, you should be able to have uh, as many items, dogs, pets, children as you like. Well, no, 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 not, 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 not if, if they are... Listen, uh, it, it is in China, you're correct, but in some ways we should be more like the Chinese, and I'm so glad we're inviting them to invest in our nuclear power. Oh, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent work, George Osborne. But if dogs are dangerous things, Tony, you can't, you can't live in a little council flat and have four Staffordshire Bull Terriers. No, no. I think, let um, I me mean, say, uh, some people are being a bit over the top with having four, but uh, having one or two isn't too bad. But I've got one. Uh, I'm a very responsible dog owner. Look after her, clean up after her, take my dog out for a walk. Um, and where I walk, there's a lot of people that don't clean up. That really does annoy me. Well, that's annoying. And I'm, I'm hoping, Tony, that you are responsible and you muzzle your dog when you take it out. Not at all. Oh, not at all. Tony. You know, like, I mean, if everyone was muzzling their dogs, how do the dogs communicate with each other? Sorry? You know, uh, what about the police dogs? You can still sniff an anus with a muzzle on. <laughs> I've never tried it. You should give it a go. No, but listen, that's all. That's how they communicate. They sniff each other's backsides. That's it. They don't talk to each other, Tony. They do. They do. They sniff each other's ears and stuff like that. You don't. They, they, they don't talk to each other. That's just barking. That doesn't mean anything. No, 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 no. They do. They do. Oh, mate. No. Uh, what do you think they're saying? All right, Fido, how's it going to say? <laughs> yeah, not bad, but I had some uh, uh, Bonio this morning. It was wicked. I think so. That's what we actually think they do anyway. And you're right about the house smelling. Uh, before we had a dog, the house didn't smell. Now yeah. we've got a dog. Now it's doggy. And you're happy with, with living in a stinky house? Oh, Yeah. You like a stinky house, Tony? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we... no, you're sounding like a dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's not a problem to us. It gives us uh, comfort and satisfaction having a dog, and you just put up with bits and pieces along the way. OK, Tony, thank you very much indeed. You're completely bonkers, but I appreciate your call. Thank you very much uh, indeed. Now, we've been talking uh, about uh, a Stevenage gentleman who's been told to tone down his Halloween display because it's too scary. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can have a little look at it. Uh, James uh, Creighton has had the police turn up twice on his doorstep in Grove Road. Well, I'm joined now by uh, Stevenage um, Neighbourhood Inspector Simon Tabbot. Good morning, Simon. Yes, good morning. Simon, the police don't turn up if your car's been vandalised, but if you've got a a, a headless corpse out in your front garden, a plastic one, they'll knock on your door. How, How does that work? Uh, I think you're slightly wrong there. Uh, We do turn up if your car is vandalised over here in Stevenage. I review all crimes every day and things like criminal damage. My team have a a priority to deal with and we often go out and do house-to-house inquiries. So why did the police knock on Simon's door? uh, uh, Sorry, why did the police knock on James's (laughs) door and ask him to take down the display? Uh, Because we received uh, a complaint from a member of the public whose children had been given nightmares by the display. So uh, he's raising we, money for for cancer. Yeah, I, kids I, can have nightmares about a, a bus or a piece of cheese. Uh, <laughs> well, they can. Kids kids have nightmares about anything. My boy had a nightmare about a robot that was going to crush the world the other day. Who, who do I blame for that? I know. I appreciate what you're saying. However, you have to remember we're not taking sides in this. What's happening is that we receive a complaint and we have an obligation to follow it up. We didn't want to bring the full weight of the law to bear on this. The courts have got better things to do with their time, so we popped around and had a chat with him. If you look at the pictures of the display, you'll see that rotting corpses, uh, realistic skeletons, and I believe when we went round there, there were 
decapitated heads hanging from hooks. Yeah, but obviously, pl- obviously plastic. Yeah, well, obviously plastic to some people, but they are very realistic. And they're I've, not realistic. That skeleton on top of his vestibule, it's obviously a plastic <laughs> skeleton from a joke shop. Well, it's not actually, but if you actually look at it and uh, see it in the dark and put yourself in the shoes of a small child, you can understand why some people would be given nightmares. We're, we're not taking sides and we're not making decisions. We asked Mr Creighton if he would tone it down, not trying to stop him having his display. We made some suggestions, some suggestions as to how he might go about doing it. And we left him after thinking we'd had a positive conversation and were quite surprised that this has, seems to have been picked up by the media. So, well, uh, because it's, it's a bloke doing something on his own property and the police, who surely have much better things to do, getting involved and telling him to tone it down. Well, we all have, as you know, freedom of expression, Article 10 of the Human Rights Act, but there are certain boundaries, you know, if, if you exercising your rights then starts to impinge on, impinge on other people's right to privacy and, and, and freedom of thought, etc., then there is a conflict there. How does having a, a head stuck outside a house impinge on a five-year-old's freedom of thought and privacy? Do you have children? Yes, I do. How old are they? They are, they'll be four and two in January. Would you take them to places like the London Dungeon and the Chamber of Horrors? Uh, no, I would not, because they're Why too not? expensive. <laughs> they're well. well expensive, a rip-off. But if, if you did, and they were disturbed whilst you're walking through, would you force them to continue the walking through, or would you, out of concern for your children, remove them from, from what was given okay, to well, them? You know the answer to that. What's the, what's, walk on, do, the, walk yeah. on the other side of the road, walk down a different street. Is, well, if you can't, if you can't avoid it, what are, what are you supposed to do? And that was what we were dealing with here. We're not dealing with some uh, situation where the member of the public could reasonably avoid this. This is outside this person's house. This is on a route to and from. And people going past can't avoid it. Good use of police resources, Simon? I think so. We only had a five or a ten minute conversation. We haven't investigated anything. Okay. We're not, we're not, uh, we haven't arrested this gentleman. Um, if he doesn't change it, would you arrest him? There is, a, there is a possibility. I hope it doesn't come to that. We wouldn't arrest him. Wouldn't need to do that. Uh, I'm hoping that he will tone the display down. But if we continue to receive complaints, yeah. we do have a duty to the people making the complaints. Uh, it wouldn't be in the spirit of Halloween, especially when he's doing a charitable collection. But if we do continue to receive complaints, we may have no choice but to make some sort of report to the court because of a potential and a technical breach of Section 5 of the Public Order Act, where a person can be guilty of an offence if they put up a display which is within the hearing or sight of a person likely to be caused harassment, alarm and distress. Simon, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. Simon uh, Tabbott, who is uh, from the uh, Stevenage Neighbourhood, who is the Stevenage Neighbourhood Inspector. Could progress this story. Let's, we'll keep an eye on this. Now, on the subject of being pregnant, well, it, it turns out that Jo Swinson, the uh, Equalities Minister, she's a woman and she's seven months pregnant, wasn't offered a seat in the House of Commons. It kicked off on Twitter, as Twitter is, is uh, prone to do. She said, no, no, no. I'm glad I wasn't offered a seat. It would have been sexist for them to offer me a seat. Well, Justin Dealey is, uh, is a common man of the people. I could have mm. just stopped with the word common, but I carried it on. You're disgusted by, <laughs> by this, aren't you? I'm outraged, utterly outraged, because it, it's the kind, it's the decent thing to do. You know, if I see somebody, if I'm on a bus or a train, and they're pregnant, every time I get right, up my seat, and you pregnant. do that as well. Fancy sitting down on this seat, because I'm JD. I'll get up for you if you want. No worries. Come on in. You know, you're a bit of a muppet, but you're a generous guy, and you would do the right thing as I well, would wouldn't do you? The, I would do. My tongue is in my cheek. Yes, of course mm. I would do the right thing. 
Well, in the last few minutes, I found a pregnant lady. Yep. Here's what's happened. Well, here's Anne. Anne, good morning to you. How many children have you currently got? Two at the moment. Okay, and you're six months pregnant? Yes. Okay, tell us about people's behaviour, people's attitudes towards you now that you're pregnant. Has it become more respectful, let's say? Yes, it has. People have been, like, nice and everything. Example, like, I'm going on the road or I want to open the door, they just help me with the door, the stop while I'm crossing the road and everything. I mean, how great is that? It's nice. Yeah. It's terrific. So, <laughs> if you got on that bus behind us here, would you expect somebody to give up their seat for you, male or female, if you're six months pregnant, would you expect that? Well, I wouldn't. It's up to them. If they felt they should get up as they leave their seat for me, fine. And if they don't, that's all right by me. And if somebody did offer their seats, oh, would, would you be offended by that? If they, if they didn't give up if their If they seat. did, if they did offer you a seat, would you think, well, hang on a second, you know, just because I'm pregnant, why are you offering oh, me a seat, no, would you I'll, be offended? No, I wouldn't be offended. I would appreciate it, actually. I would appreciate it. I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and six months yeah. pregnant. Um, are the plans all in action for, for when it finally happens? Have you got the new bedroom ready or the new toys ready? Yeah. She's, the baby's just going to use the cot that siblings used previously. And did you notice how careful I was when I said, are there any pregnant ladies around here, just in case you weren't <laughs> pregnant and you were overweight? <laughs> I was very careful with my question, wasn't I? Yeah, I just felt you were just being, you know, sarcastic about <laughs> it. But it was quite funny. Yes, I was being very careful. Listen, have a good day, have a good weekend. You Thank too. you very much. Thank you, bye. So the words there of Anne, who's six months pregnant, and um, she's saying that people's attitudes and their behaviour, uh, now that they can see she is heavily pregnant, has uh, changed. And for change for the better as well. You know, people opening up doors for her and being nice because that's what we do as a nation when people are pregnant we be nice to them in now justin mm. listen well i don't know whereabouts you are can you make it back to the studio as quickly as you can please without breaking uh, many laws yes yes well, the, scott balcony's coming in he's a he's a young singer songwriter and I, I, he's got a song that I, you well you've probably heard it before but i think you may want to hear live so ah, really yeah could you could you dash back and it'll serenade you is it an angle but a humperdinck song yeah, well, it, release me it, it, we could he can do that if you want yeah, oh I'm, right i'm on my way all right calm, calm down <laughs> All right, Justin, excellent stuff. Right, it's a quarter to nine, uh, or thereabouts. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel with our special uh, special person today, Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Problems in South Oxy. Sandy Lane is still closed. This is a two-vehicle accident at the Westbury Road Junction. So that's the 84125 that's shut off. Recovery's been arranged for the two vans that were involved in that one. The emergency service is still on the scene. M25 anti-clockwise heavy from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield, going through the roadworks section. Quite busy as you come through Chesant on the A10 and then the other side of the M25 through Enfield is looking slow as well. Patches of slow-moving traffic on the A1 and the A1M. You've got delays up the Black Cat roundabout. It's also looking slow as you make your way down the A1M past Stevenage and then through Boreham Wood into London. It's getting busy in Luton. The A6 looking slow on the sensors. So is the A1081 in Harpenden and the A414 as you go past London Coney. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey up, Adam. We'll speak to you before the end of the show, mate. 
8.45. It's Friday the 18th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Beverly Kincannon, the owner of four dogs that mauled a 14-year-old girl to death, will be sentenced today. Stevenage police have defended their actions after they told a man to tone down his Halloween display because it's too scary. James Creighton has had the police turn up twice at his home on Grove Road. In sport, BBC Three Counties Radio understands that MK Dons manager Carl Robinson will not leave the club. He's been strongly linked to the Sheffield United manager's job, but no official approach has yet been made. Coming up, Scott Balcony singing. I know, exciting. Before that, here's the weather with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. We've had some mist and fog patches. It's all starting to lift into low cloud now. A very grey, murky start to the day. It will be quite cloudy, uh, but we might just see a little bit of drizzle falling from the thickness of the cloud and coming in from this weather front at times through the day and then brightening up a bit later on as we head into the afternoon. So there will be some spells of brightness. Not as nice a day as it was yesterday. Top temperatures all the way up to 15 or 16 degrees Celsius, though 61 in Fahrenheit. So it is a mild day and it will be mild tonight too. Lows of around 12 or 13 degrees and uh, some more outbreaks of just light rain and drizzle, very patchy in nature, not amounting to very much and that's going to stick around into tomorrow morning too, so a rather damp start to the day tomorrow and then gradually brightening up into the afternoon but we could see a few more heavier showers, or a few heavier showers rather, developing a bit later on on Saturday afternoon into the evening so wet and windy at times over the weekend, particularly on Sunday which is generally the worst, uh, the worst day of the weekend I think in terms of uh, wet weather. It is going to stay mild throughout though and mild but rather unsettled into next week. That's the forecast. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back because this is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. <laughs> You're going to start that trek. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, yes, listen, on Fridays we like to kind of end the show with a little bit of music to uplift your week a little bit. We're joined by, well, a regular contributor to the, to the show via uh, Twitter. You don't, you don't phone in. It's uh, Scott Balcony. Hello, Scott. Hello, how are you doing? Scott Balcony's not your real name. Is that the name we're using for this interview? Yeah, that's my uh, stage name. <laughs> so, Scott, what are your musical influences? <laughs> um, Gilbert O'Sullivan. He's good, Gilbert he is, Sullivan, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's... Now, listen, you run a T-shirt printing shop, yep. uh, but also in your spare time, you kind of do songs and bits and pieces and stuff. Yes. Why? Why? Because I can't get a job doing songs and bits and pieces, so I have to do the T-shirts. Uh, we should put our cards on the table here. Let's do a little bit of business. Scott and yep. I have written a song together. If you go to, what are we called on there? The Balcony All-Stars? Yeah, the Balcony All-Stars. Go to, no, for, for, for goodness sakes, it got to number 115. 105. Did it get to 105? For a second, yeah, a couple 105 of in the country charts. <laughs> Uh, Balcony All Stars, the theme from The Monkeys Invented Country Rock is, is what it is. Go and download that. But you're not going to play that today. No. What's the first song you've got for us? This is a song uh, which is a, a recipe for how to bake bread. Sorry? It's a, uh, it's a recipe for how to break, bake bread. So you, if you learn the song, all right. you can, you're not you can gonna, do it. You're actually going to sing that one? Yeah. yeah. Oh. You're not going to do one of the good ones. No, no, listen, you've chosen that. All right. So this is, and what's it called? It's called um, The Bread Song. Okay, well, take a note of this if you fancy making a loaf of bread today. Scott yep. Balcony with uh, the bread song. Away you go. For this, you'll need 500 grams of strong white flour, 
teaspoon of salt, teaspoon of yeast, 350ml of warm water, just tip it in, mix it all about, and you're making bread, guess you fed, here's what you should do with that yeasty goo, you need to push it, you need to stretch it, you need to roll it and never forget it, you need to knead it, knead it with a K though, for at least 10 minutes, unless you're a pro. Cover and put it in the airing cupboard But don't forget it In an hour you're gonna go back and get it You're nearly done, just knock it back Knock the air right out Roll it up real tight, make it a ball Then cover it again, back in the cupboard And like Lord Jesus, let it rise again Then dust it with flour and bake for half an hour on 220 degrees you've just made bread yeah bread there you go <laughs> those really are the instructions it's, to it's make bread it's factual yeah <laughs> where did you get the idea for that song <laughs> I just thought I could never remember how to make bread. I thought if I um, write a song, I'll always remember. Now, you may have heard uh, uh, Scott freeze then for a second. The reason, he fr- the reason you froze then... Does that microphone work? What microphone is I that? I think so. Yes, it does. The reason you froze then is because uh, certain Mr Lover Lover, Justin Dealey, has walked into the studio. He's, bou- he's bobbling around like one of those wobblers in the back of a car. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you are, this is, you are genuinely... I genuinely love Justin Dealey. Why? Tell, <laughs> tell him. He's here. Look, you, look at this. They Hi, talk- Scott. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of talk radio, and when I first started listening to you, when you went on to this, I just thought, he just cracked, he just cracked me up every morning, mate. Very kind of you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Every now no and then, I'll get a little private message yeah. tweet from <laughs> Scott saying, hey, D- Dealey's playing a blinder yeah. today. <laughs> oh, no, no, OK, let's bring controversy yeah. into the room, though. Mm. Mm. There was one thing he said a couple of weeks ago that actually got you quite angry, and you put, put him off him a bit. I can't remember what He it. doesn't like the song Waterfalls. Oh, TLC? Yeah. It's a classic. It's not a classic. <laughs> TLC Don't Waterfall. Go classic. chasing waterfalls. Gonna do it this way or that way at all. A classic, really? Yeah, I think so. I'd hardly put it up there with R. Kelly, Ignition. I keep forgetting we're on the radio. It's just guys chatting. I'm going to loosen my belt a bit. I feel relaxed around you guys. How great is this guy? How cool is he as well? Look look at the shirt. Look at the hair. Ian, look and learn. He's giving you what he likes to call feedback. Now, 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 listen, the reason Justin is in here, I don't normally like having Justin in the studio for various reasons. Justin wandering hands daily being one of them. But, but... You've, we've played this a long, long time ago. You've written a song yeah. about Mr. Dealey, haven't you? Yeah, it's called I Love Justin Dealey. Are, are, you, prepared to, are you prepared to sing it to his face? <laughs> I'm a little bit scared now. Are you prepared to sing it to the man? Yeah, it's, yeah. away you go. Can right. I don't give you eye contact, Scott? I'm I'll understand. Okay, right. It's a bit embarrassing. Yeah, we had a bit of red here, rather than orange. I love Justin Dealey from Beds, Hearts and Bucks. He's got a lovely, honest voice. Even though I love him, guess I'm out of luck Cos he's just one of the boys 
But I'm gonna make him love me Gonna make him care Gonna run my fingers through his hair You don't love me dearly But I love you And I know exactly what to do Gonna wait until you're after somebody new Then I know exactly what to do Gonna take you to my favourite record fair Gonna buy you every record there I love Justin Dealey from Beds, Hearts and Bucks Beds, Hearts and Bucks Be a big hit record. It's good, is it? I can see people buying into that. Have you? <laughs> buying into the ledge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any, do you want to give them any feedback? Um, well, <laughs> feedback, yes, great. It's got a well constructed song, um, good lyrics in there, everything was true. Um, what I would say, though, if it's going to be a big hit record, it needs to be a bit longer than one minute. I know, I was going to say, I've got, I've <laughs> got uh, verses four and five I could do now. Oh, really? No, no, not really. Can we go in the corridor afterwards? And I was it? hoping we'd do that anyway. Yeah, it's all about me. I like this. This is nice, isn't it? It's, 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 it's romantic. Have you ever, you Listen, you've been on radio for years and years and years, mm, since you were 12 yeah. years old. Yeah. Ever had anybody write a song about you before, no. Justin? No. Well, I'm, I've never had anyone write a song about me. What does it feel like? Um, it feels warm. Yeah? Yeah, it feels kind of, um, without getting too deep, it um, feels special. So, Scott, you don't, do you do gigs and stuff? No, not really. Why not? You should do. I just like playing in my bedroom and then putting songs on the internet. And you, do, and you had a... The, the, this is true, OK? This is true. You're massive in which career? The good one or the bad one? The good one. North Korea. Fun, fun Korea. Oh, fun, you're, you're, yeah. You are famous in fun Korea, South yeah. Korea. Yeah. Why? Because I wrote a song about uh, Jason Park. Do? He's a do you footballer. know him? Yeah, football. He's yeah. a football player. He played for QPR and when he signed... I wrote this song about him and I put it on YouTube and it got watched about 100,000 times in That's mental. Korea. But um, he was rubbish for QBR, so... I was going to say, terrible. Sorry. It's a category set. No, we can get. We'll apologise. We didn't get away with that. Uh, and so that, that genuinely had a hundred thousand hits. Yep. What, what and the bread song did really well as well. Yeah. How come the song that we did together, the monkey song? I, I checked the figures on it. It had two hundred thirty-seven views. Yeah, I don't know. Actually. What went wrong there? Um, who sung that one out, out of the two of us? I may have sung that. I'm meeting David Jones's daughters at the weekend. Why I'm are you not singing now? Sorry? Why are you not singing now? I've got. Um, I can't come con- on. for contractual reasons. Oh, come on. I don't remember the words to it, so we can't do it. No. Have you another song for us? Crackling Rosie. Crackling Rosie, get on board. <sighs> I've got a good listen, I've got a good voice. Yeah, I'm not denying. I'm not denying. Now listen, listen. We've been teasing this up all week and like for the last two weeks, and I feel bad that we're doing this. Adam Glynn. Hello, Ian. Good morning, Adam Glynn. Now listen. Yes. We have been teasing you the last couple of weeks, and I apologise. You, you have it's been, been great fun. It has been fun, and I'm glad you took it in the spirit was intended. You have been with this show. How long have you been doing this show for, Adam? been doing it for a year. For, for a year. Uh, and we've had, some, we've had some great times. We've had some tough times. That's, that's inevitable. But today is a very special day for you and this show. So we, yes. we would like to just, just uh, wish you... Well, can we do it in song form? Would you mind? No, that'd be lovely. Happy birthday to you. Happy that was last birthday week. to you. Happy birthday, Adam Glynn. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, mate. That's very sweet of you, Ian, but my birthday was actually last okay, week. Okay, okay, there we go. Well, you can stick around for the last couple of minutes if you want. You, did you hear Scott Balcony singing? Uh, I, no, I didn't, but hey, that's what the well, iPlayer's for. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You can, do you not ask him any questions? 
Um, yeah, how's he doing? Oh, how, you put those on. You can, oh, he's got the headphones on. You can, you, can, you can interview him for the last minute of the show if you want. Adam, it's over to you on your birthday. Okay, so, Scott, good morning. Hello, Adam, all right? Yeah, happy birthday. Um, thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, so, um, I hear you've got a guitar in there with you. When yeah. did you start learning? Um, I started playing when I was about 15. Wow, so long yeah. time then. Yeah. Well, you, you, you say that, you don't know how old he is now, so that's... I'm guessing. I'm, okay. I'm thinking that's a bit rude. late 30s. Yeah, he, sa- he sounds late old. Late 30s? How old are you? Jesus. Mid, mid-30s, <laughs> upper mid-30s. <laughs> upper mid-30s. <laughs> so, basically, I was right then. Okay. <laughs> it's not the most riveting interview, Adam, if I'm honest. No, it's not. Okay, um, Scott, I think you should try and, you know, get us out of this. Could you play us out with something? I'll tell you what you can oh. do, Scott. Can you just, just strum a few chords? A little bit busy, because we're going to go to the travel for Adam on his birthday. You can be the... Uh, the, the Travel, you can be the travel bed. Would you Would you mind doing that? Yeah, I'm doing it. Does that sound all right, Adam? Sounds lovely. Listen, we're a little bit early, but it's your birthday. Take your time, away you go. Birthday last week. Uh, Sandy Lane in South Oxy. It's closed off at the minute, the A4125, and it's shut because of an accident. Two vehicles involved at Westbury Road. The emergency service is still there for the moment. Recovery's been all sorted out at the minute. Two vans were involved in that one. But uh, all the emergency services on the scene while the closure's still in place. If you're heading down to the motorways, M25, anti-clockwise, heavy from Waltham Abbey to Enfield, junction 26 to 25, going into the roadworks section. As you make your way into London, you can find delays on the A1, I'm afraid. Through Boreham Wood, it's looking slow, particularly as you come down towards Stirling Corner. But there are a few other busy bits of the A1. It's slow along the A1M past Stevenage, and further back up at the Black Cat roundabout has been slow on and off throughout the morning. Into Bedford, eastbound on the Bromham Road, the A4280, it's looking a little bit busy. Dunstable, slow on the A5 between the A505 junctions, and it's still looking quite busy round London, Coney and St Albans. So the A414 looks quite busy on the speed sensors. We've got no train or tube problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the rest of your birthday and we'll speak to you on Monday. No, you won't. Ta-ta, mate. Bye-bye. <laughs> Scott, very quickly, if people want to go and see your YouTube videos, where do they go? Um, look on Balcony Shirts TV on YouTube. And there's some cracking stuff up there. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Only, only two swears. That's not bad, is it? No, That's not you. bad at all. Right, go and download the uh, podcast. You'll get, uh, uh, well, J- Justin's visit to the graduation ceremony will be on there. JBS up next. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning, welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith, it's Friday, and on today's big phone-in... Are you worried about the cost of heating your home? British Gas has told the BBC they'll raise their prices by 9.2% this November. 